All right, clap sync. Three, two, one. Okay. Indeed. Hello. We are out here today. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Who wants are. to take us in? So, do you want to take us in? Zoe's so the only one just... qualified to take us in. I think I could. I think I could get halfway there. <laughs> Can you say what we are? Probably not. We are the Tyranny of Thumbs Gaming Podcast, where we play a game each week and then we talk about it. However, Thank you, some weeks we will, rather than play a video game, we will watch professionals play a video <laughs> game and marvel at their expertise. And uh, we're here to talk about that because this past week was Valorant Champions. Um, my name is Zoe. Hello. Hi. Over there is McCoy. What's up? Uh, Raphael is also here. Hello. And James is also over there. Hi. And then we are also joined by our wonderful guest, Elena. Hello. Like pseudo half member at this point because she's always here. I'm here most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. Well, she lives with me. But so we always easy. love to have her on. But yeah. yeah, so this past week was Valorant Champions, which was essentially the world championship of Valorant's first year of professional gaming. And yeah. it ha happened over the course of the last two weeks. And we decided to try and talk about it all today. However, yeah. you know, how the grouped stages feel like a lifetime ago dude seriously <laughs> oh my god also like but... this is like the giant disclaimer so normally okay first of all great intro you murdered but also one thing is you made it sound like we've ever done this before which we have not please be exactly. kind to us <laughs> not yeah, even one not... time have we done this on air we're not plat chat over here we're yeah. not gonna like we haven't we haven't really tried to do this before. This is our first foray, I guess, into talking about a tournament Yeah. Um, as a group. But I mean, I don't know. We, we get together sometimes, we'll watch some of these games and then we'll talk for hours about, you know, our, our thoughts and feelings about the games that have happened. And it was really hard this past week watching the games and then trying to talk about it, but also being like, save it for the podcast. You can talk brutal. about this in the podcast. I was thinking, um, wait, 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 just weird idea. Some, okay, and James mentioned this one time also. It's just a totally weird random idea, but we could actually do like a record us actually watch the games thing. Like a watch along. Are we going to get sued by a riot? If you do it audio only and you signal, hey, the game's starting in three, two, one, and then like the listener like aligns, then it's oh, legal. Oh, then it's fine. Yeah. Okay, because I don't want right, to get so sued by so then they can riot. hear my heart attacks live yeah. on air well that shit ends um, so we're just crying quietly in the corner i want everyone to just have a nice time exactly <clears throat> that essentially became the theme of this year's uh champions indeed yeah. Was but yeah i mean yeah. anyways just let's, let's just get right into it okay. though like i mean okay. that's a great idea by the way yeah we can try it I'll probably just be in a corner crying, like yeah. I said. Just a thought. But. Just a thought. Just put it on the just put it on the back burner. Think about it for, I mean, who knows when the next tournament's even coming? That's the thing, because Valorant doesn't have tournaments every like ten seconds, and so like this this shit we've been waiting for this shit. Okay, like there's been a lot of anticipation for this, and I feel like there's a lot of teams in this scene that are interesting to follow and are cool and have cool players, storylines, everything, and so like you, it's the riot way. They make you wait for it, and so we've been like fucking. We've been ready to go. And it's like two weeks. It's like a festival 
of the game. Like mm -hmm. every single day you're treated with like an insane series, like pretty much. And it's like styles all over the world. It was honestly really cool. Like I, I enjoyed this tournament a lot. There was a lot of problems. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But it was just a really enjoyable thing. And I <laughs> I was it like, you know, it's good when I'm literally sitting there like, I don't think I have time to play the game. Because <laughs> I'm just too busy <laughs> watching the game. And that's the way. And I will say a break after watching a tournament. I always think when you come back, you're just on fire because you can just <laughs> you can just see like I would say see through walls and everyone like would think like cheating jokes. But no, it's just you've spent so much time watching these like scenarios play out at a high level, like with x-rays on to see both sides that you start to understand both sides of the dance or the tango or the handshake mm -hmm. or the whatever. I'm talking like I'm preeminent angles like I've never even seen before. Because I saw a guy in the pro game use it, and the guy comes on the corner and it's just instant headshot. And you're like, holy no way. And so that mm -hmm. does not last forever, but it is like the best benefit of just a festival of this game. It's the champion's buff. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's not the skins, bro. It's watching the games. I don't uh, know. It might be the skins. Motherfuckers online be telling me it's the skins. <laughs> yeah. It's the but skins. Yeah. I was going to first set the stage, I guess, Good. for what what was kind of set in front of us before group stages even began with champions. Because, you know, this is Valorant's first year and Valorant is trying hard to have storylines. And so going into this, all of the promotional material and all of the hype of videos had this overarching narrative of NA versus EMEA. And it was like this because of the past Masters events that have happened with Masters Berlin and Masters Reykjavik being the only two other uh, cross-regional tournaments that have occurred up until now. Um, and in both of those events, in both the semifinals and the finals, it, it was EMEA versus NA you know, quarterfinals, semifinals, all the way up to the final with Reykjavik being Sentinels versus Fnatic and then Masters Berlin being Envy versus Gambit. Um, and so all the way up until this point, there has just been this NA versus EMEA who will come out on top because one Masters NA came out on top, the other Masters EMEA came out on top. Oh, can they, wait, can, quick, quick add they to come that. back? Quick add to that. Yeah. Literally, NA is good at this game at all. Is like the <laughs> hypest storyline of yeah, this entire esport. It's a real thing. And we'll see if it's literally done after this tournament. But I mean, no lie, right? We are all here because it's like, holy shit. Like, NA just gets slapped in every esport if you watch it long enough, especially the quote, mature esports that we've been watching, like League and fucking for me, Counter Strike. Like, dude, NA sucks and it hurts the feelings, man. And then there's the discussion is always mm -hmm. like, oh, well, are we just is our culture just fucked up? Like, you know, just like, <laughs> which is sad. And we have so many people. And then it's like, is our infrastructure fucked up? And whatever, it doesn't matter. But the point is that they looked good in this esport, And I think still do. And we'll talk about that. But there was a lot of NA hype specifically at this tournament. And I love EU. I've watched EU forever in Counter-Strike. But NA versus EU? So fun. Like, it's perfect. <laughs> like, the storylines entering this are awesome for me. You guys do? Exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely agree. Like, League of Legends NA is going through its own identity crisis right now, where now half of the teams are just basically imports of other regions, you know, 
this next year, Cloud9 is basically Team Korea, Team Liquid yeah. is Team EU, and TSM is Team China. <laughs> um, so it's just kind of like, NA is kind of going through an identity crisis over there. So it is very nice to be able to see an NA team come to these tournaments and actually show up. Um, and in some cases, you know, really, really go toe to toe, if not dominate over some of these EMEA teams. Um, Sentinels didn't drop a map in a tournament that they won every single map the whole tournament and just left in the uppers bracket. Like, just walked out the tournament. That's the one that they won. So you're like, oh, shit, is NA here? Like, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, that's insane. Right. And so there was that. And sure, in, you know, Masters, uh, Masters Berlin... Sure, Gambit came out on top in their finals against Envy. However, this was also the time where there was a lot of NA teams that were showing strength. Sentinels got knocked out a little bit earlier, but then 100 Thieves also came through, made it to semifinals, Mm. um, as well as Envy. So it was, you know, it was kind of like one of those things of like, okay, we potentially don't just have one good team. We potentially have all of these other NA teams that can also go toe-to-toe with EMEA teams. Um, Hopefully, you know, three for three. That's such a good point, too, because, like, literally stars are being born at this point. Like, if you look back at the the history of this game, which is not that long, which is why it's so exciting, we've basically been watching almost all of it. Like, think about the first stars that were ever born. It's like people on TSM, at least in NA, right? You're thinking about, like, Wardell. And, like, Sabrosa got an insane, like, 4K on a pistol in, like, one pro match that I just literally, it gave me nerd chills. He was hiding in, quote, what they now call Sabrosa. So he was hiding in Sabrosa. And in this clip, he gets like a 4K with a USP to it's on ascent. And they're walking down. But from... I think the USP is a Counter-Strike gun. Could you please use the correct terminology? The yeah. Again, not trying to get sued by Riot today. Yeah, true. <laughs> we are not professionals. And we also don't really give a fuck. Like, we're just people. Um, and so we're just I give say... a fuck about calling it a ghost as well. <laughs> That's only because Fine. the ghost is the best gun on the game. So I, I also I give a fuck that we call it correctly. Well, so in some ways it's better than the ghost and in other ways it's worse. And we don't need to get into a balanced discussion here. But yeah, it's just like those stars, those NA stars are getting found from like teams like TSM and stuff. And you know, it's so sad, but at least the current narrative for them is just like they immediately got outscaled by the leveling up of um, the teams. And that's the other thing, by the way, that we are witnessing. And we can reference that more later in detail. But like the water is rising for the esport, and we are watching that. And you have to think about that when you think over the course of time. But the reason why I'm saying that is because while those original NA stars have fallen off, there are new ones that were literally coming to this tournament, like Ye from Envy, for example is so hyped behind this tournament. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but so I, I, I will say, okay, I usually hate the YouTube algorithm, but one thing I like is that it plugs me in to like weird fucking trends that are happening and the fucking El Diablo, which is his nickname, El Diablo. That's Ye's nickname in NA solo queue. His videos, and not just his, but like montages people have made of him are just like getting sent to me like for the, like a week prior. And I'm seeing like, it's basically like all these clips of like him and like Wardell and like fucking all sorts of insane like solo queue players. And they're basically just going like, oh my God, El Diablo is here. And they just start running. And he just like walks through as Jet and just taps like four people. Like just literally four pros that are top of their game, like top radiant solo queue are just running in fear from this guy. And so that guy basically started, he's been here the whole time, but he actually showed at the last tournament versus Gambit. His entire team basically like was like, 
yeah, we kind of had an off finals. We didn't really sleep very well. And he was like, I got a couple of aces and I won some clutches. <laughs> you're just like, you're insane. So that guy was coming into this tournament and everyone expected great things from him as well. And so it's like three generations of NA stars and the third is starting here. So it's a long tangent, but yeah, it's really hype. Exactly. But yeah, and I guess I just also want to establish that, you know, there, all of this focus is just on NA and EU here. And wildcard regions for Valorant at this point, some are kind of making clutch plays here and there. But for the most part, a lot of these wildcard teams are kind of going under the radar in terms of notoriety. Um, none of them get really the promotional segments quite like NA and EU did. You know, NA had their... Uh, naturals segment yeah. which you know interviewed all the teams was posted to the valorant champions channel uh emea had their own uh like how did these teams get here segment but then otherwise the rest of these teams from wildcard regions such as thailand the philippines chile which i'm excited to talk about you know the chilean team specifically hmm. but like they just kind of get their one to two minute montage of their players being like we're gonna come into this tournament and show them what we got and like yeah that's all they really get from Wa that watching real people in another language with subtitles like basically say anime lines to you is just it's just in real life where it's never as cool it's just not it's not the way right like it's not the way but you see it a lot here so you're like oh it is the pink jersey team saying sport thing like I will not give up and I will represent my country. You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And like honestly, I don't know, man. Call me a sucker, but I I do like the storylines, man. And like I like knowing about uh the teams and the players. One of the best things that I ever learned was like that Defos into anime. I learned that recently. So it told me that. <laughs> like that shades in what I need to enjoy this shit. So it was hard to even like necessarily, at least for me root for or understand any of these teams until this tournament because they showed up <laughs> spoilers spoilers <laughs> spoilers yeah. yeah so i i think yeah. this just a really quick theoretical question out there do you think that international sort of like wildcard teams i mean to say wildcard teams were leveled up by the previous international competition the last two tournaments like do you think they watched that and learn from that because i i do i think the whole world is being raised right now in terms of this game, watching these tournaments. And I felt mm -hmm. that a Absolutely. lot here from the wildcard regions. And I mean, I think that's why Sentinels like dominated everybody in one tournament and then just got dumpstered in the next tournament. Um, yeah. It's because everybody watched their VODs and they did exactly the same thing and got destroyed. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then after that, they finally admitted that they maybe probably needed a coach. Um, <laughs> well, oh, dude, I feel so bad for them on that one because but, they were not going to survive not getting a coach because here's what happens, right? You're a team. Let's say you're the best team in history and you win 80% of your games, okay? That's probably the best team in history. If yeah. you do that and you lose those 20%, motherfuckers are going to say on Twitter and on Reddit, you need a coach for those last 20% and you are just fucked. Like you can't, they have to win literally every game or else someone's going to make that case. And so it was only a matter of time. And I think but also, there. like, you need a coach. <laughs> like, sure. Why not? Like, even if you win 100% of your games and you don't have a coach, you need a coach. Like, 
they they will only help somebody who's dedicated to you know helping you level up at the game is can only be a benefit yeah um yeah my thoughts specifically were like good shazam can have work-life balance now yeah (laughs) with the coach because i think he was like saying what his schedule was before how it was like you know he would wake up vod review for a couple hours then there was scrim practice and then he'd have like a tiny break to go to the gym and then he'd come back and stream and play solo queue and i'm just like yeah that's just i can see that working but i can see burnout happening very quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's the but, case. oh but the thing is though like agreed right and i felt the same sigh of relief because i do not work hours that intense um for sure <laughs> and even work that intense for that matter um but the thing is what impact does it have that he's not doing that anymore and i say that not in any other way than talking about absolute uh perfection or uh, not perfection but rather the most you can push yourself to like what i what i think is interesting is that there is often a trend with with people in general and i find with esports players where when they finally get the ability to have like a more traditional American work-life balance, they fall off at the game. Like I was just listening to an interview with Huck, actually, uh, an old StarCraft NA pro. And he was talking like, yeah, the second I got a salary, dude, I literally never recovered. And in that game, StarCraft, the Koreans, they just dominated him. Like they essentially, essentially were the water level. They were just so much better than everyone else at that game. And it's just interesting. I've heard, I've listened to probably like I mean, I have listened to every, I think every Thorn interview. That's probably like 50, 60, 70. And there are a lot of stories like that. And so it is what it is. You are a human being. I'm not saying that you need to go do that with your life. Um, I'm not. And I respect anyone who wants to take like a step back, like at a professional level, because you're just a human. Enjoy life. However, as a person analyzing the game i do look at that and i think to myself that is something that is just a human pattern that we see and it hasn't happened to shazam yet he was awesome at this tournament awesome from a a individual perspective and we can talk about that later but i just i always want to keep that in mind because it's the balance of the human versus like the pursuit and uh it it it's this it's like the same with tsm and getting salaries like it's a dangerous thing in competitive sports and something to look for. But to, to give people comfort? It depends. So it's not that. To give you people sh- sustainability? Yes, yes, actually, essentially. But it's not that. It's not that giving it's the problem. It's And it's nothing's necessarily the problem at all. Again, I keep trying to stress that. What it really is, is that some people take that choice and expect perfection or excellence out of themselves and can't achieve it anymore. And they don't know that that's what's causing it. It's it's not for the people who are like, oh, I want this and I'm okay with the side effects um, or the effects. It's rather actually the people who are like, they don't understand the effects and it's happening to them. And that is some of the saddest I've, mm. I've ever heard. Because So I think that that's a great argument for having coaches though. Because mm-hmm. like, mm. if you look at sports that aren't esports, like people get paid a lot more money at the quote unquote highest level. Right. Right. Like million dollar contracts and like many, many million dollar contracts. But also you have a coach and you have an organization 
and you fucking show up and you do the work and you you probably work 12 hour days for most of the year um during the season and then you probably work the rest of the year too i i mean i'm not a fucking professional athlete yeah, but like <laughs> and i'm not a coach but like i mean these people are on the top of their game right yeah <clears throat> um i think i mean i think the thing that we were we were just talking about this a, a few days ago i think the thing that um fucks them up is things in their contract that require them to do uncoached practice un and basically it's like solo queue streaming is that what you're referring to degen practice yeah solo queue streaming oh, okay um yeah it it's degenerative practice it's not at the highest level and it's not prepping yourself for the highest level what it's doing is earning money for the organization sure right? mm -hmm. i think sure. i mean i think that if 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 in LeBron James's contract, like for five days a week, every week, he had to like go to high schools and just like dunk on high school students, <laughs> he would get worse games. at the game. <laughs> he would just oh. get worse at the game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But those high school students would love it for LeBron James to come and dunk on them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But like, and like that's the equivalent of solo queue streaming yeah. for these athletes it's like for esports yeah. uh pros like there's there's no real benefit it's not it's not like working out it's not like real practice it's just it's doing something that looks like your game but is worse in every way for you mm -hmm. yeah yeah um <laughs> And I think, I think that that's what what issues are with this stuff more than like getting money, getting paid. Um, and I think that yes, getting paid lets, allows you the space to rest on your laurels, and that's where coaching comes in. You know, because your coach is the person that gets you back on the grind. Yeah, I mean, James, I agree with you 1000%. And I think if like, if we wanted to hear, I have like two to three hot takes about this tournament as a whole. And one of them is that NA ruined themselves by streaming too much. I think that, I, I agree with you. I think that solo queuing is essentially like, once you hit the level that these pros are at, solo queuing is essentially bad for you to a certain extent. Yes. There are things it can help with, I assume. Also, I'm gonna, like full disclosure. I'm not that good at Valorant, but um, I am reasonably sure. Should that, we like, say our ranks? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yes. Okay, all right. We don't have to. I don't know, bro. I'm unranked. Respect. Unrated. <laughs> Respect. Respect. But I, you know, I'm sure like things like you know, if you wanted to practice lineups or just like there are things you can do in solo queue that are good for the game and like just getting like hours yeah. in there, sure. But. I mean, there was who? What was the team that was teasing Fnatic or no, teasing Sentinels, saying, like, essentially that like it's well known that Sentinels doesn't practice, they don't practice, and that they care more about so they care more about streaming. A lot of people have said that. But there was Nine some there that. was some player who, in an interview, 
was joking about it. It was probably vanity. Um, vanity, Pro- probably vanity from Cloud9. Whoever it was, I think like they were essentially right. I'm sure it's more nuanced than that. It's the dickish but, way of being like, yo, bro, I really want you to do well, so you should try practicing. <laughs> but yeah, like the amount, I don't know if they don't oh. practice or not. I'm not claiming to know anything about that. But I do think that the amount a lot of NA players stream and solo queue, like essentially erodes yeah. their super high level abilities. Um, and when you think about like, what they actually need to be doing to get good at the game at this level, solo queue doesn't really help with a lot of those things. Because they don't solo queue with their teams, they aren't playing five stack, they aren't running strategies, they're just kind of like, they're getting maybe aim practice, maybe. No. Maybe they're getting some I would actually make the argument that they are not getting good aim practice because, and they are in some duels, so maybe like opening picks and stuff where it's like very, uh, the reason the variables are very much constrained, so it would be the same thing. Like, you know, in opening fight, it's like it doesn't matter if it's the best player in the world or if it's not. If you click on them really fast with the op, they die if they walk this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second the round starts, the way you are supposed to aim is a marriage of your game sense and your mechanical ability at the same time. And so it inqui- requires focus. And in order to do it effectively, you need to be focusing on your crosshair and your being in the game in three-dimensional space. In order to do that, you have to trust that your teammates will not let you get shot in the back without saying anything. And the second a solo queue match starts, that is not the case for professional players. They do not feel that way. And part of it is their fault because they don't communicate to their teammates and tell them what to do. And part of it's because you develop a synergy with your team that is so beautiful and so deep. No game where you are randomly paired with anyone could you ever have something as beautiful as you do with your actual teammates. And so the second the round starts, their strategy mind that wants to kick in can't. It gets anxious. You can feel it. They don't know what to do. And they can't play their actual game. They can't actually practice as they would in a professional game. So, fuck. We do a lot I mean, of that I shit. I don't know. We can definitely <laughs> talk about it more later because, like, spoiler alert, NA didn't do particularly well this right. tournament. Right. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll talk about all of our probably harebrained theories about why that may have happened. I have my own theories, but... Um, I'm with James on this thing that I think solo queuing is essentially bad practice. And I don't think it's because, I don't think that they shouldn't get paid. They should get paid salaries. Yeah. They should make money. But yeah, I think that solo queuing is uh, not what they should be spending most of their time doing. Totally agreed. And I also I... got some uh, practice data from other teams to back up the... <laughs> is this the one from Ascend? The Ascend tweet? Did you get the Ascend tweet? No, this is Gambit, actually. Oh, great. You should... Okay, cool. There's also Ascend. <laughs> okay, wait. I want to know about this. Wait. Oh well, I well, mean, did w- Raphael want to yeah, talk? I yeah, I, I wanted to yeah. add to the like uh, solo queue doesn't help them practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, like I think we have observed this in our own games. This effect. Yeah. So even independent of the team aspect, like right now McCoy and I are like plat, and if we play a game with like uh, silver teammates, for example. The, the game shifts down into maybe, like, gold average. And I at least have a tendency to play riskier. So I'll, like, take more risks because I know, like, some part of me knows that the other team won't be as likely to punish them. And a lot of the time it pays off because, like, okay, I'll get a bunch of kills because they didn't punish me for taking that risk. Now, I go back to queuing with just McCoy, and we're in a plat, maybe a plat diamond game. And if I don't, like recalibrate 
then I'm taking these risks and people are just one tapping mm -hmm. me and yeah. I'm having a bad time. <laughs> and so like, this is sort of the difference between solo queue uh, for pros and the actual pro games that they're playing. I think I completely agree yeah. with that. It's, it's the metagame yeah. shifts, you guys. Like, the, the classic example that I always think about is what you do in post-plant with the bomb. Whether or not you stick the bomb. And so basically, it's like, when you're in the low levels, when people are bad, like, everyone wants to take the option of the least uh, agency. Because they don't know what the fuck they're doing, and they're scared. So they just stick the bomb. Like, they don't even understand tapping or what you're supposed to do. So at low levels, they just stick the bomb. Like, they just hold it, and they don't care what the fuck's happening because they're just freaking out in their head, and they just want to win, and they're hoping you won't peek or whatever. And so you need to just think to yourself, holy shit, I need to peek every motherfucking bomb planter no matter what. And then when you get to a higher level, people understand that the tendency is they're going to get full swung, basically. And so then they do this thing called tapping the bomb, which is like when they don't actually diffuse it but they rather make the noise of it to start the metagame going right so now that's the first step up but the thing is at all the way at the highest level and this is a ladder that goes back and forth at the highest level people have this phrase called pros don't fake where they do the behavior of the people in silver and it's so uncharacteristic of a good player to do that that it works <laughs> and and so these are the different levels and layers. And this is what rankings actually try to indicate is these little steps in a metagame of understanding the game. And the moral of the story, though, is just, yeah, you actually need to play at the level that your opponents are at in a weird way. Yeah, and I think that, like, pro five, like, professional five-stack international tournament play is so different and so far above what you're able to play in solo queue. But like it's just yeah. not it's not a it's not a good use of their time yeah i was gonna yeah. say like and to add on to that like specifically not just solo queue but also streaming like in terms of what like mccoy said with like actually interacting within the 3d 3d space like it's impossible to do that when streaming mm -hmm. like i can't point. like I, I don't watch a lot of valorant pro stream the only pros that i really watch are hiko and shazam um, on a regular basis, I should say. And the amount of times like Shazam is like opping and holding a corner and then he glances over at his yeah. other screen. Scre yeah, he's reading chat uh, or something. Thank a yeah, he reads chat or thanks a sub and then he gets headshot and he's like, what the hell? He peeks yeah. that? Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, dude, you're not in it. Like, yeah. You're just a not in it. Agreed. And so I think you bring up like a really good point that also like it tilts them. Like I don't, yeah. there. I don't know how this would affect them in terms of like being able to play on the pro stage, but like definitely it has an effect on their mindsets. I think the best example is if anyone's ever watched Steel Stream. Yeah. I know he's not. Actually, I think he Rest just got picked piece. up by someone. But T one. He's like, T one. T one. Yeah, he got picked up by T one. Like Steel, I can't. I McCoy for a while. McCoy was watching him quite a bit, and I like could I could not watch him stream because he gets so tilted. Yeah. Like that man hates solo queuing. Like I've never seen anyone else hate solo queuing. Yeah. And it, I it think it's eroding his mindset. So it is. Steel is the I would say, the quintessential example of all of what we've just been talking about wrapped it all together in a bow is Steel because he was the player that didn't play matchmaking in Counter-Strike. Because ass got banned. Okay, yes. If you go back further, he got banned. <laughs> no, but that's not related. But it is related too. Okay, okay. Sorry. Quick history of Seal. Okay, fine. So he 
was on, he was a Counter-Strike player, as a lot of these players are, and I remember having, please don't say his last name, for fuck's sake, do you really want to edit this? A conversation with a friend of ours named Alex, but not the Alex you're thinking, or maybe the Alex you're thinking. Um, but anyways, uh, Alex C. Okay, there. I, that, I, I feel comfortable with that. Okay. So he, during the early metas of Valorant, was playing the game and he um, we used to play league with this guy also and so it's just interesting to hear his meditate because he was a very high level league player um, in his own ridiculous way and I love it um, he was like I don't know which game is going to give the right like the most talent to this game I'm not sure if it's going to be Apex Legends I'm not sure if it's going to be Fortnite I'm not sure if it's going to be League I'm not sure if it's going to be Counter Strike and I was like it's going to be Counter Strike <laughs> like I'm not even talking about this. <laughs> Um, and i think i did discount fortnite but that just means because the players are young but okay that was the discussion with him and basically look wait where's i even going really this i'm totally lost yeah i was watching you go and being like he's lost it but he's telling a different story and it's okay thank you <laughs> it's hard man because it, it goes back a long way because it like reminds me of so many things like that's the thing right you hear like you think of anyway so, so steel you're, right you're going on a tangent no i'm not i'm not steel. i'm talking about steel. a tangent no it's steel okay he, he was on a tangent now he's talking about the tangent that's totally different it's just i think it's important to this know that like tangent? that counter-strike history is relevant for valorant history this is what of really the, the overall point outside of the details yeah. that i'm trying to say i think this is important steel. and the worlds kind of hate each other Counter-Strike is so, so, um, the people there are so, uh, violent. Towards macho? Not sure, macho. It's superior. They're superior in the way that they hold themselves to, to Elitist? Esports. Elitist, sure. All of these things. Yeah. And I think they have a bunch of really great reasons to be elite about that, and that's a whole other podcast. But at the same time, like, it's just not the right way. Like, this is just a different thing. It's not about better or worse. They are a different thing. And the beauty is you get to see the stories that you've been watching for 10 years go to the last chapter of their journey right at the beginning of this game. Like, celebrate that instead of fucking complaining. Like, these are your your pros are here, assholes. Um, that's just my message to the people I listen to the podcast to. But, like, seriously, why do people in Counter-Strike hate Valorant? They should love Valorant because Valorant is a place where their players are going. Um, you know why people in Counter-Strike hate Valorant? Because all their players are going there. Yeah. Because, uh, and that's not the pros, that's the players. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Like, Valorant is eating Counter Strike's lunch. Yeah. In NA specifically. And for good reason. I mean, it's, yeah. It, it has a dev team dev devoted to it. Yeah. And these are all really great points. I completely agree. It's just, it's just worth understanding that, like, there can be, like, you can have people like Sean Garris in your scene, and he can come from Counter Strike, and he can talk about Counter Strike, and it's okay. He can help teach us all. He's the, like, mm -hmm. loveliest guy ever. Like, he's never going to say something like, you know, this game just kind of sucks. Like, just allow it. Allow history. No, because it's important, right? Because Steel was banned, which is what you're talking about. Yeah. So Steel was actually banned from match fixing after being what was basically on the second or potentially the first most interesting and potentially even most world-level NA team in Counter-Strike. He was literally top of NA scene. We're talking, like... I mean, he it he felt like he was on a team that had, you know, an envy level trajectory. Like, do you know what I'm saying? And in envy, I'm referring now to Valorant again. Um, he had a dazed legendary and game leader, Steel. Like, I'm not going to... There's, like, Brax, which, like, there's all these crazy montages. You can see he's also goes by uh, 
I forget what his other name is, but yeah, it's Swag. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> so he was this like nerdy looking kid and his name was Swag and that was like his whole joke is that he didn't look Swag at all. But anyways, a fantastic player. And so all these players were on this team, but this was right before Counter-Strike blew up. This is when I just started watching, but I didn't know it very well. Um, it's many, 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 many years ago, probably like seven, ten. Um, and basically the money hadn't got there yet. League, I think at this time had reasonable amounts of money, but it was relatively new, like a couple of years since people in league were getting paid. And so basically these guys are like, some of them have jobs at this point. Like we're talking about like full-time jobs and they're practicing and they're like at this level. Like, can you even imagine? Like the scene is just so mature now that that would never happen. But so then they're getting like, like less than what you can live on per month to play at all these tournaments, but they just love it. And they can think like it's, it's right around the corner when we're going to succeed. And then these basically match. And pause. Okay. Um, that actually was the sound of my power going out. Uh, it just everything in the house just turned off and then turned back on again. So um, we'll skip you the trouble of it. But just imagine technical nightmare, bunch of chaos. And then we get back to it. All right. Clap sync. Three, two, one. And we're back. And we're back. Probably editing McCoy talk somewhere in there being like, oh, and my power went out. No, <laughs> extra work. <laughs> but it, it happens, it happens. Technology, bro. We don't need to go into these stories, but man, the technology over the past bunch of weeks has been crazy. We've been building computers. Computers have been not starting. Who the fuck knows? So anyways, what happened now was a power surge. And they were, that was all me. Oh, I wish Building I computers and computers <laughs> not working. <laughs> yeah. And if James's makes it better than our power, I think that's a giant advantage and a strength and something to be celebrated. Yeah. Uh, but no. Okay. So we were talking about fucking Steel's history. We are talking about Counter-Strike. You know, we were talking about how, like, it's awesome. Guys, let's celebrate the history of these players. They've played different games. Um, so actually, in Counter-Strike, people do celebrate the history between games, but it's in the same franchise. So this, to me, is actually still in the lineage of games that Counter-Strike comes from. And as a result, they're all paired together as brothers and sisters. But okay. Um, anyways, yeah. Right before the money came into that scene, someone like basically called that team. Has Kadoodle on it also? Oh my God, you've seen him around. Um, and basically was like, yo, this is a meaningless game in some online cup you're playing or whatever. And it's like a weekly thing and it's not going to affect any standings. But if you can basically just lose it to this team that's way worse than you, then we'll pay you. And we'll pay you in skins, which were like the world's first NFTs. Um, and so, yeah, basically they did it. And there's clips from that game, you guys, and it is just really embarrassing to watch. It's like people whiffing op shots that they just like shouldn't whiff. And it's like they're trying to throw but failing like because the opponents are so bad. And it's just like it's really <laughs> it's really bad. It's really bad. And um, basically, yeah, like that was a really large um piece of like essentially history and lore in that scene because basically like someone ended up getting not just like dms that like sort of suggested they were gonna do it some players like girlfriend like that they broke up and then she was just like fuck it here are the text messages and he told her how it was going down um and then they gave that to valve and they were like okay so as James's reference earlier, they're, they're not a super present developer in the scene, and there's pluses and minuses to that. But the moral of the story, though, is they just said, listen, we're going to set an example. We're, these players will never play again in this game, ever. And that's just what they said. And people were like, wait, wait, like a year ban, two year ban? They were like, never. 
And so those players just went from literally the top of the whole scene to just like, they didn't even know what to do. And streaming wasn't really as popular then, especially not for Counter-Strike. They just sort of, I mean, different things happened. Some of them disappeared. Some of them continued to play, waiting for the day that they would be, that the ruling would be overturned. And like, they would come back after two years and like, that's a horrifying shot. Like interviews with these guys talking about like, yeah, every like year I just sat there and like waited for an email to see if I'd be allowed to play again. It's horrifying. So that's steel. And that's part of the reason why I think Valorant could be such a celebrated thing for uh, Counter-Strike fans is that they got to see some of these people play the last inch of their careers. Like Days is already gone. He's, my, he's my, one of my favorite ever. He's already gone. Um, and so... Yeah, that's Steel's history. And so what made him so unique, tying this all back together, which I can't believe I'm gonna tie something before the break, but I'm gonna try. Um, Steel was famous for not believing that matchmaking was a good practice tool and he didn't play it. And people would always say, you're a lunatic. How is it possible that you don't practice? Which is the similar arguments they're making now, of course, for different reasons. But like, how do you not practice and play the game? And he's like, you just don't get good practice from solo queue and like you will learn bad habits and I'm just going to show up and play. And so the thing is, he actually in this game did, I think, show up and play and had some really amazing performances um, and just be a really good player. Uh, but the thing is, he always was someone that people were a little nervous about mechanically because he didn't practice. So it's like the other side of this coin. But but anyways, when he joined 100 Thieves in this game, he had a streaming contract. He had to play solo queue. It was forced on him, even though he, his whole stance for his entire quote career was, I hate this shit. And he had to do it. And so he streamed. And I mean, it's like torch It's watching someone be tortured. It's like, they don't want to do this thing and they're forced to do this thing. And, and it, I mean, like, look at, okay. There are many different types of streamers on the platform for Twitch and many different styles, but think about steel he's not yet tyler one okay i say that because think about the the paradigm i'm thinking about is like rage at the game level there are a couple people that are literally platform dominant for being ragers at video games and that's just what they do and it's totally fine but the thing is there's a showmanship to the rage it, it's like it's there but it's also like they're still putting on a show and they're still almost enjoying themselves it's like they enjoy to rage Steel may enjoy to rage, but this stuff that he's actually playing, he actually really hates. And so that comes across in a way that just, I don't think means he can be like a successful streaming brand, like at the top level, because it's like, it's not like he's in on the joke. Like the joke is how much it's hurting him in that moment. I mean, it's terrible. So yeah, that's wrapping it all together. But also like you can learn a lot by watching him. Yeah. Because he's a really good player of the game. So, yeah. So, okay. Kind of can we wrap that? Maybe we'll come back a little <laughs> bit of that when we get to some NA teams, but can we wrap that and move forward? It was a long yeah. bit of shading. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's like some good foreshadowing, I guess, into the plight of NA. <laughs> um, I did, I did want to touch one thing about streaming before we move on, which is okay. that there's absolutely a financial incentive for these teams to do this. Yeah. They make mm -hmm. way more money on yeah. their yeah. on their talent streaming than they do on these tournaments. And they probably would still make more money if these teams were the best in the world, right? So like I mean they they still make they would still make more money on the streams than the tournaments, right? So the 
the financial pressure is more streams, more streams, more streams, because that's finance. I mean, that's the the economical thing to do for these teams. Yeah, if you want to take traditional, I would I would like to call them old school business practices, which are still employed today and still incredibly successful. Which is money will decide everything for me, and I have no. Uh, agency in this and i have no desire to build anything beautiful uh outside of money and fine if that's the way you want to run it fine but it's sad especially for a competitive discipline like this that's about celebrating greatness like tens didn't have to exist but he does exist and he's insane to watch and i'm very thankful um and so it's sad to see that tarnished (laughs) by a money-making machine but okay um, but all right. Yeah, go on. Sorry. Yep. Well, so um, I guess going into the group stages for uh, champions. Speaking of tarnish, I guess let's go <laughs> into another sort of. Let's go into another sort of drama because I guess we can maybe go through the groups that were in the group stages for Valorant, uh, Valorant Championships, and of course the very first game that I see. It wasn't necessarily the first game played, but the first series that I guess sparked the most drama was Ascend versus Keen Stars. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> yep. Which, you know, Ascend, EMEA team, they won Masters 1, which was not a cross regional tournament at the time. It was solely EMEA, or not even EMEA at the time. It was just solely Europe. Wow. Um, and Keen Stars, which is a team from Brazil. Um, essentially, I guess to try and condense it a little bit, but we'll obviously open the floor up to further discussion. Cause I think Riot really fumbled the ball on this one. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Ascend and Keed Stars played, uh, it's a best of three. Um, Keed Stars won two maps to one. Um, of course I'm looking at the results. I'm like, oh, damn, Ascend's my team. You know, I've been following them since their Masters 1 run. So I was like, oh, damn, they'll go through the loser's bracket. Okay, well, they looked like shit. Guess they got to, like, dig their way out of the hole. I check my Twitter the next morning, and it's just like, we've decided that Ascend won the series 2-1 to one due to <laughs> a cipher cam bug that Ascend used for seven rounds on the last map. Oh, the key um, start used. Oh, yeah, that, that yeah, Keedstar yeah, used. Yeah, yeah. Basically, what they did is that they took those seven rounds o- away from Keedstars, awarded them to Ascend, and, uh, you know, retroactively were just like, okay, Ascend won that map if the Cypher, Cypher Cam hadn't been used. Which I was like, eh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. like, I, I, like, yeah, that's, there can uh... be arguments as to whether or not that would actually, like, have been the case if the cipher cam wasn't used apparently and i i mean i'm sure you can look it up online the cipher cam is an undetectable unbreakable camera that can look fully into one site on breeze the a site specifically um and so essentially basically keyed stars could just put this camera up they get full intel on the entire site and they don't even have to like have a man there half of the time but like, which is very powerful for a map like Breeze. I mean, it's obviously okay. It's very powerful yeah. for every map, but for Breeze in particular, a map that has such long rotates for the defense, it is truly a crime that you can stack with such certainty. Uh, but the thing is, you know, if you've if you guys seen the images of what it shows, it does show good stuff. But mostly, one of the big contentions with it is that it shows the backside of it, like an awning 
over uh, mm -hmm. Cubby by A Main. And so basically like it's a one-way texture. So you can see through it, but they can't see you. That's the key. They can't shoot it, basically, because they can't see so, it. So I think there are angles on the other sides of the site where you can shoot it, sure. But but, but not through that awning. So, yeah, basically, no, you can't shoot it from that angle. And it's just um, it's just a bug with the map, man. Like, it's it's just something that it was also featured, featured, like, number one on Reddit, like, months ago. And, I mean... Mm -hmm. The fact that it hasn't been fixed right now is like, okay. Um, because, like, keep in mind, like, we live in a game or in a world in esports where, like, the ref is the game. <laughs> like, the ref is the game. <laughs> this is, like, that's like having, that's like being, like, yo, our ref, like, needed to be updated firmware-wise, but we just didn't for the tournament. It's like, what you do about this? <laughs> but whatever. Um, and they also historically had another ruling on this, I believe is what I'd heard about. I don't know the great details because, again, I only watched right. the, the, like, Main stage. Did you hear about this though? It was like they they forfeited a map for a team for using it. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, so this has been used in the past, and actually they disqualified the teams that used it from tournaments. So mm -hmm. Guild was a team that used it, and they weren't in this tournament. X10, which is a team that is in this tournament, did use it, and they also got disqualified in an earlier tournament. Yeah. Um, and so basically. Riot's initial ruling was that, okay, uh, Vivo Keed forfeits this map. That's that. But then they later went back on the ruling by being like, okay, just kidding. Instead of them forfeiting the map, what we're going to do is have them replay the map, but with Ascend starting the game up seven to zero. <laughs> What? They just started making shit up. Yeah. I did not they, know. They went through like four rulings. I read a little bit about it. Yes. They, they kept going back and forth, but apparently what they did then is that they, any map or any round that Keed Stars used the, whatever oh, you call camera. it on, the yeah. camera on, they then like changed the ruling to go for Ascend. It's like they restarted the map, but like it's, yeah, it got yeah. weird. They had a bunch of different types of them. And the real moral of the story though is they had already set precedent for this. That's step one. And so I, I I am I talking out of school to say that it was because of the backlash of like the death threats that Ke v Vivo Keith stars or whatever the fuck like team fans were sending to people because that's the way that I saw the narrative and I can't confirm that because obviously I'm not like doing any sort of analysis on Twitter stuff but it's like the narratives was like people are really fucking mad about this okay they're changing the ruling people are still mad about this okay they're changing the ruling like it really did feel like it was trying to like live react to like but it the just ended up making the whole thing feel like un unprofessional is maybe not the word for it, but it just it felt bad. It, did. it felt yeah. unprofessional and like unfair. It felt like they hadn't prepared. They had no protocols, and that feels the same way to me as like some of the COVID stuff. Where like it's like, what are the protocols here, and like what's going on? And like they, it's like they hadn't predetermined what was going to happen if anything happened, and so they just kept like wish washing and like flip flopping about what they were going to do. Which just, I think, is not the look that you want for, like, your big international tournament. Like, it doesn't feel good to be unsure about rulings yeah. in this level of yeah. tournament. Keep in mind, right. it's not Agreed. a Ponzi scheme, but it is a giant pyramid. Have you guys seen the visualizations for the fucking esports? <laughs> it's a giant pyramid. Could it possibly be more, like, scheme-esque? I don't know. It's just, listen, they're new. And what Riot does, whether you like it or not, is they have zero respect for the people who came before. So, like, 
they could have hired people that had run Counter-Strike events to like look through and set all their rule books, but they wanted to figure it out themselves and they'll come to stuff that they're comfortable with, but, and eventually in time they'll get better and they have already gotten a lot better from so many things like pro- production's gotten a lot better. Uh, all sorts of stuff. Oh like my that. God. The observer. The observer has gotten better. Mm-hmm. The yeah. observer is so much better. The climb. Um, yeah. The, just like, as you were saying, the production, but like, the the watchability is dramatically higher and yeah there's still issues like you can't see how much money the team has and so the casters are like casting blind about that yeah it's um <laughs> so embarrassing and like and like getting it so wrong and they're like well <laughs> it, it's live yeah my favorite is when um, they're like oh i wonder if we'll be able to buy this next round like it's it finally cuts or it doesn't even cut but it's like they just everyone has like max guns like yeah. someone's bought yeah. an odin and an op <laughs> yeah. like and it's like oh no they were fine yeah. um yeah <laughs> yeah it's 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 sad but but so that's they build that's what they do then like they start from their own place so fair so mm-hmm. they started really from their own place here and they kind of also trashed out their old previous stuff so i don't know what do you guys think is a reasonable like way to do this to me i think that the dq was fine as it started, mm-hmm. I actually thought the first thing was the most reasonable thing. All this round shit makes no sense because you can't do that. You can't make a system like that that has a strategic element to it because then some teams will think that's the way because because of the way that Valorant swings in a momentum-based thing, then it would be totally valid to use the camera on the most important round in the game and swing your economy the other way and then lose that round number-wise but still get the momentum that it gains. So it makes no fucking sense to introduce any such ridiculous bullshit into the minds of strategists and players because if you did do something like that and they found out, Riot would ban you. Like, they hate you for doing that, but they're introducing that with that system. So that makes no fucking sense at all. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And I mean, like, I mean, regardless of what what the reasoning was for them reversing the ruling, the optics of it, is what looks the most poor right Mm -hmm. um you know may like to us we see the twitter backlash and then we see riot reversing the ruling so then we're just like okay well they did this because like it, it it appears that they're doing this because of the backlash um and but the yeah i mean they've set a precedent in the past about using that exact same camera and this whole wishy-washy, okay, well, yeah, we disqualified teams prior to this, but we're not going to do it for this because it's a world tournament, and I don't know, we don't want to do that to a team. Like, X10 was upset with the reversal yeah. of the ruling because yeah. they were just like, um, yeah. excuse me. Well, yeah, and they're here. Us. And, like, I think, <laughs> yeah. okay, I mean, I don't know much about Keystars. I don't have anything against, like, them as a no. team or Brazil as a region, like, nothing no. like that. But no. they played well people knew about i knew about this i knew about this <laughs> camera when mccoy came and told me i was like wait the same camera like i knew what they i knew so what he was dumb. talking about because it had been around the scene and i don't fo- i don't follow the scene that i knew keat stars should have known and they should have known that it had, the people have been disqualified before and so then if you go ahead and just like be like oh, we're just gonna fucking try it you already know what the ruling is going to be or you yeah. should yeah. so i think like I mean, as much honestly, as i don't want to see a team disqualified at this level, if you're a pro team going to international, like you, you know about this camera, you know what happens. You shouldn't yeah. even try they it. Should have been disqualified. Yeah, it's honestly really dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's honestly really dirty. 
And and because keep in mind, this is a totally different game than Counter Strike. Like Counter Strike had weird boosts and stuff like that that were like legal in the game, and there was some stuff some stuff was illegal that like people like home ruled. But this game has much stricter. Like you can't boost on people's heads, so you can't be behind weird objects like you can with the Sage Wall. Like people, the the, it's like they took boosting and they gave it to Sage. It's really weird. But like it's much more locked down. What you can be on, what you can see through. And especially with the cameras and stuff and some of the abilities in this game, there's so much potential for, for, for like literally game breaking shit. Like, oh, it turns out you just see through this wall would be like the end of the game balance. So like this, it just, to have no respect and just use shit like that. Like, you know, when you, if you're the cypher, you are looking at a broken texture and you know exactly what that is. Like, there's just no other way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I, you know, like, I think half of their defense was, okay, well, Riot gave us a list of bugs not to use during the tournament, and that Cypher Cam was not one of the bugs listed, which, first of all, <laughs> given it's such a notorious bug, what the fuck, if that's true, <laughs> why wasn't that bug put on there? But then also, yeah, at the same time, Heat Stars, you know better. You know that that is a bug there. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of like, well, they didn't list this bug, so I will exploit it, like... Yeah, but then I guess my, I mean, my that is, is that like, is that is that's egg on right. No, no, no. Pretty okay, hard, right. Knowing that, I yeah. I didn't know that they shouldn't have been banned. They they won the match. Like if if Riot if Riot did not say that that was not allowed, and they said other things were not allowed that were bugs, yeah, and they yeah. made a ruling on that in the yeah. past. Yeah, it's not a bug that's that's not allowed. It's bullshit to ban them. I mean to 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 make them lose the match so, for that. That's Riot's fault. Yes. And I it's feel like not, to like play devil's advocate with it even more, like Riot knows about this, right? They've banned people for it before. Yeah. It's been around for a while, like a couple months, yeah. and it's still in the game. Yeah. Like if Agreed. it's, if, you yeah. know, if you're sitting there, maybe as, um, as Keystars, you're like, well, it's still in the game. They haven't taken it out, and it's not on this list of things we can't do. Seems valid to me. Yeah. I actually right. totally understand that. And knowing that part of it, like it really does shade in a lot of detail the thing is look the moral of the story is riot fucked up in like eight different ways and they don't like to look bad so they were looking to kill someone they just weren't sure who or how and they were trying to judge it based on the community honestly that's just my read on it i really think though because they are immediately yeah, reactive right. to reddit and, and that's one of their best qualities it's why all those fucking counter-strike players are here they're like holy shit i can write on the subreddit about something it'll happen and so okay here where we are john and you know what Oh, this is so unfair. Regardless of the way the ruling went down, I think I'm happy for the universe that we did experience later in this tournament, for what did happen. That's regardless of the ruling. But like me, as a selfish person who just watches the games, I Ascend was beautiful at this tournament, and I'm very thankful that they were at it further. Yeah. Um, so. No, very, very much so. Like, I, I definitely agree. Like... I guess my thing is like, well, and obviously when once we get into more final stuff, I feel like this particular blunder has tarnished the entire run that Ascend had in itself. Um, mm -hmm. There's always going to be salty people being like, well, they should have worked their way up through the loser's bracket and it would have affected seeding. And mm -hmm. if the seeding was affected, they would have faced other teams. And then if that happened... And, like, sure. Like, in another world, sure. Um, like I said, I, I think Ascend deserved to lose that series 
mm-hmm. 100%. Um, but also at the same time with how it worked out, despite everything, despite all the backlash and the abuse that the players were getting, like on social media, death threats and the like, like I'm, I'm glad they stuck around, <laughs> I yeah. guess. And, and can you add to that point? Can you see from here, maybe if you click on Ascend, we're looking at the VLR.gg page. Look at who they beat at this tournament. So it's true you can say that oh, yeah. the universe would have been different, but look at the fucking scalp count here, bros. Like, okay, yeah. So let's see, point at it here. I know I know they beat Envy. Mm-hmm. They beat they beat Envy, they beat Team Secret, they beat Team Liquid, and they beat Gambit. Dude. Unfucking believable. Because okay, Envy was looking amazing coming into this tournament, and I think the the narrative of all of NA is what does Envy look like at the next tournament? Like Give them another chance. Everyone's down. Like, they just are confused. They don't know what happened. Team Liquid at this tournament looked like the best Team Liquid I have ever seen. Not even close. I was so proud of them. They looked coordinated, and they looked, like, decisive. And they were playing, like, an old-school Counter-Strike style that I was in love with. Um, and then they had a regional matchup versus Seneca Dumpster. But, hey, it happens. Um, and Gambit was amazing, as they have proven that they always are. Gambit's got to be one of the most consistent yeah. teams in the business. Mm-hmm. They just are, and and they're amazing for it. So Ascend had to go through that afterwards. So people can be like, look, the history would have been different, but like, that is impressive. That to me is enough. You know, they didn't even have to win the tournament. If you had told me they'd beat those people here, but they lost in some extra bracket that somehow appeared, I'd be like, okay, so one of the best teams in the world, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um. And I guess I just had one uh, one like particular segue, I guess, into this, which is that this whole debacle ended up creating such a toxic fest on Twitter that it turned me off to the whole tournament entirely for the group stages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I don't know. Wow. Like at one point, you have Zoms tweeting Brazil, um, you know, <laughs> flexing with his Rolex, and I'm just like, is this what we've come to? And yes. I just like yes. turned off all the matches. I was like, I just I. Everyone, yeah. what are you doing on social media? Go practice. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Zoms is a, like a legit question mark to me. Like the way I've, he's been described to me, because he's also a controller. I mm-hmm. play controllers as well. I really respect his gameplay. He has a very dirty style, like SMG buys and like sprays and like you're using Viper utility to like make them weak and vulnerable and spray them down. He'll running, shoot people all the time. Um, he's just a different philosophy. But I talk to people that I know about him and I ask like that they're like great fans of him. It's like, what's his deal? And they're like, no, it's they're trying to describe it as a style of intense humor where it's like he's it's like intense sarcasm or something is the way they were describing it mm-hmm. as like it's really intense. Like it's super high metagame. In other words, like he's basically just shitting on people. But to him, it's like criticizing or almost critiquing that in a way by like doing it which is very hard i think for us to parse and maybe even nonsense (laughs) to be honest but like so then he's just like stoking the flames (laughs) just like what are you doing dude come on it it was uh yeah it wasn't good i had the great fortune of i love ascend but i wasn't following them so closely i don't and i don't use twitter so i kind of like dodged this a little bit being literally on the front lines for this in twitter just sounds fucking terrible (laughs) Oh, yeah, I yeah mean, for real. Definitely that. I mean, I just, I knew it was bad when the official Ascend account was just like, please don't send our players death threats. Like, they're going through enough as it is. And I'm just like, also, it's not the player's fault in itself. Like, it's Riot. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is their, yep. their whole thing. Yeah, agreed. But, uh, 
it was it, it was bad for a bit. And honestly, it was it was that stuff that made me very worried for Ascend that it would just ultimately crush them mentally. Um, mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. their very first match at the tournament, creating such a drama fest. Um, you know, I it just really had me worried. But anyway, I guess moving on. Um, other people in the group besides Ascendant Keystarts. Oh, hey, it's Envy and X10. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we got them as well. Mm -hmm. As we said, Envy, um, you know, came into this tournament looking very strong. They had a very strong Masters Berlin performance. Um, my favorite moment from that is Ye, like, 1v4ing with a Marshall and clutching the round. Like, it was amazing to watch. I think that was actually versus Gambit. Um so right. they came in with high hopes. Um, and unfortunately, one of their players ended up uh, contracting COVID, I believe. Yep. Um, and so shit happens, I guess. And they had to not actually play on land, but instead had to practice from or had to play from a practice room, essentially. A contentiously cramped practice room. I don't think they complained about it, but a lot of people did. Of just like you could see that it's just not the stage, man. And you mm -hmm. came out here for, quote, land and... Riot's been advertising that this is land the whole time, which, by the way, to me, this is not land, but that's fine because there's no crowd. The crowd, I think, is an extra mm -hmm. level of pressure that I think is important. So it's like it's like people have misunderstood the term land, in my opinion, when they say it, because it it technically exactly means local area network, which is referring to we plugged our PCs essentially into the server. So it's like instant ping. That's what it refers to. And mm -hmm. it does change the balance of the game. There's literally like literally every pro will tell you that like it is just a different balance to the way that you can hold angles like you get different reaction times for certain shots and so it fundamentally changes the game and that's one of the many reasons why he still doesn't play so like is because he wants to practice on land um but to me as someone who's watched counter-strike for 10 years what land means when you say like this player is not tested on land is they have to be away from home they have to be not just on a stage they have to just, you know, not just, you know, be playing in all this other ways that that this was LAN, um, like next to their teammates and stuff. But it also has to be in front of a crowd that is hyped because that force is... There was the production crew. No. Yeah, and they did clap one time. They would cheer. The yeah, they cheered. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Fuck that. I'm talking the shit that shakes the ground, bro. I'm talking the shit that it silences your soul, Okay. <laughs> um no yeah totally yeah. And, and so and keep in mind this is you know we're we're in the middle of covid right now you know what i mean i mean it depends on you know whatever but but the point is that very few tournaments have crowds right now um now many sports uh games do like football for example does and whatever and uh <laughs> that's like the that's only one i've right. even remotely ever seen <laughs> uh but yeah so like you want to see that as a as a a viewer but of course like there's a lot that goes into that, um, good and bad. And so, you know, you have to be a little bit kind to the times. But anyways, there was a legit LAN in Counter-Strike very recently. And so then for people being like, this is the only LAN that Valorant's ever experienced, that's true. And to even not even get there in the case of Envy and Sentinels for a game and a, and a couple of other teams, it's it's sad to have gone all the way across the world just to play in a fucking hotel somewhere, like, on a janky table. And, like, it just it just sucked, man. And not to mention, some of your players are legit sick. Like, there was reports of, like, one of the players is just like, has chills while playing the game. But it's just, like, this is their moment, so they got to try. And, like, oh, it's sad. It's sad. Right. Indeed. 
And yeah, I mean, I guess as a result, uh, Envy ended up losing in the losers bracket to X10, which is mm -hmm. this team from Taiwan, mm -hmm. um, particularly just known for being a wild card region, but also kind of a wild card team in terms of just their strategy and their tactics for facing every game are so balls to the wall slash unpredictable that a lot of these more organized, more methodical teams just don't know what to do with themselves. Because they're just like, holy shit, they five-man rushed A on Haven. No one does this. What the hell? Yeah, no one um, does this. Spoilers until, or foreshadowing mm -hmm. for crew later, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And in particular, I mean, uh, Patty Fan on XT X10 was, I guess, the breakout player from that team, just in terms of, you know, Typical ex Overwatch pro, I guess. So, you know, <laughs> high sends, yeah. jumping everywhere. Everyone's rifles are straight up in the air, straight down to the floor. They're just like, I have no idea where this guy's at. Um, apparently, he's thinking about retiring, and people do not want him to retire. So, yeah. Well, I was just looking at the team on the Valorant Liquipedia, and his leave date is listed as today. Wow. <gasps> Yeah. And that's okay. Spoiler. There's actually been a <laughs> lot of wildcard teams that have like what I would consider to be like almost like the, uh, this is so ridiculous, like grandpa figure or something like the person who's like usher. You know what it is, dude? It's like, it's like that Ninja Turtles meme with the fucking rat that teaches them. You know, the one where like he shepherds them when they're young and then they shepherd him when he's old. Do you guess what I'm talking about? Yeah. No. Yes. I know what you mean. James, find what an image and post it so that people can see that shit. Oh, my God. Okay, okay fine. Good luck. Also, um, I, I wanted to correct. Thailand is where they're from. Okay. Did I say? What did I say? I think I heard Taiwan earlier. Oh, oh but, yeah. Sorry. Thailand. <laughs> political. No, but uh, the thing is <laughs> also... A significantly different place, yeah. But also, X10 actually lost to Envy first. And so it was like a weird like rematch here. And they end up in best of threes between each other, uh, one and one. <laughs> But because of the, <laughs> the timing that they uh, they played, Envy's gone for it, and fair happens. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 That's just kind of how that loser's bracket really works. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So then, moving on to Group B, we've got Furia, which is a team from... Brazil. 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 Uh, Furia from Brazil. And then we have I love, I love Sentinels, Furia, the Team Liquid, and Crew Esports from Chile. Yo, look at this shit. On the screen here, it says that Crew lost to Team Liquid 0-2 at the beginning of the tournament. Did you remember that result? I didn't even, that didn't even cross my mind at this time. Mm -hmm. I was like, Crew, never heard of him. And I was wrong, uh, as obviously spoilers. <laughs> but did you even, so they probably, maybe they had nerves or something there. I didn't even watch the game. I don't know. Like, but you look at that and like, that's how I'm going to start my, like, I guess you would call it copium about Team Liquid being a really great team is that they beat Crew and no one else fucking could. <laughs> mm -hmm. So. And I mean, it, they beat them handedly, 13-5 and 13-8. So, I mean, those aren't, those aren't close score lines. And I think the story with Crew going into this was that Crew went to both Masters. They were both at Reykjavik and Masters Berlin. Reykjavik, they got knocked out in the group stages. And then Berlin, they made it to quarterfinals. No, not even quarters. Whatever's before quarterfinals. Sure. Um, and then they got knocked out there. 
Um, so like the story with that team is just very slow improvement, but then they start off this tournament zero two and they're like, okay, crew's just being crew. I see. Sure. Um, but Elena, I remember you saying this past weekend that there's something just very particularly interesting about crew, just in terms of like the region that they come from. Um, I just think it's interesting and notable. I mean, so McCoy and I have watched quite a bit of Counter-Strike. More, obviously, he more than I, but I have watched some. And for a long time, Brazil has been like a force to be reckoned with in Counter-Strike. For a while, they had the, definitively the best team in the world for like a pretty good stretch of time. Yes. And Brazil has always been... So Brazil's like been there and been around. Um, and when we first started watching this tournament, I actually just assumed that Crew was another Brazilian team because they were coming from like a Latin American region. I was like, they must be Brazilian. And then I was listening to them and I caught just part of an interview and I was like, what the fuck? That's not Portuguese, that's Spanish. And so I looked it up and they are like, I think very notably not Brazilian. Um, most of their players are from Chile. They're actually founded by an Argentine guy. And then they have one player, Klaus, who's from Argentina, which is Latin America. Um, That's awesome. Which is just really different. And it's, I think it's really interesting and notable that like a region that has really never showed up in esports before. I know that Brazil is technically a part of that region, but I would consider them to be very separate. Um, Showed up like really big at this tournament. Like crew went way farther than anybody thought they would as far as i know i certainly didn't expect them to get that far um i thought they looked really good they did and i just think it's really cool that it's a it's just a totally different region i mean from what i know about like league of legends there are no latin american teams in that sport really there probably Um, are some but but like are they good yeah i mean there's like there's a a, a league i guess down there but yeah like it's always one of those things where they they go to isn't that where kaboom is it kaboom brazilian though i don't know i think he's probably i mean if i had to like take a random guess and someone will like write in and correct us or Raphael can google it real quick but like i my sense of the the esports scene has always been like brazil is there and dominant and big and they they have players and then the latin america has never had any so I just think I just said it was really cool that crew came out. Mm-hmm. Full disclosure, a large portion of my family is from Argentina, which is why mm-hmm. I was like, holy fuck, that's Spanish. And I was like texting McCoy being like, that's Spanish. I was like, that's Argentine Spanish. Like, that's what my cousins mm-hmm. sound like. So I was just, I was hyped and I became that an instant hype. fan. They also play like a balls to the wall aggro kind of game that I really enjoyed. Yeah. And they were just good. Like, they were just surprisingly really good. I thought they were really fun to watch. Yeah, um, sure. They were a storyline that the, I enjoyed They are a fucking team. Like, they really mm-hmm. fucking are. And there's a couple of teams at this tournament. And by the way, obviously something that also can't be practiced in Solo, like you were talking about, is teamwork. Yeah. Some of the teamwork at this tournament was just beautiful. Well, beautiful. I think it's, uh, too, Crew played what I think was the best game in the tournament for me. We can talk about it later, but um, it came in the semifinals, right? Sure. Yeah, right before the right before the finals. Yeah. So they played. No, not semifinals. Yeah, semifinals, right? Uh, Semifinals. It's It's the one versus. They played Fnatic. Yeah, and then they lost to Gambit. You're referring to the game. Okay, they played to quarterfinals. So, so semifinals is the game we're talking about. You're right. What helps? Yes, it's semifinals right there. was yeah. the best game in the tournament. Sorry, yeah. I got it. Yeah. The game between Gambit and Crew, like if you're for some reason listening to this podcast and you haven't watched any games but you want to watch a game, that is the game you should go watch. <laughs> yeah. That the game was so watch. good. Yeah. So and like, it went like full. It went. Real. I won't tell you how many overtimes yeah. it goes to because it's spoilers, but like 
Yeah. What a fucking. So game. here's the here's the here's the card that you should refer to as a entering fan to this esport. If you wanted to watch even just a little bit, if you want to watch a little bit, you'd spend forty minutes. You know, an hour. You'd spend a good chunk, but you're not like you know you're not going past like the first episode. You just want to try it out. Watch the final map of that series. If you're a little bit more of a hardcore fan or you're willing for a little slower of a simmer. Now, it's a hype-ass series, but again, mm -hmm. you're not going to hit the third map for two maps. Um, and then if you're a more hardcore fan than that, watch the whole tournament like the rest of us. What are you doing? No, I'm just kidding. We didn't watch the whole tournament. Um, watch what you're interested in. But yeah, that's that's definitely a fantastic way in, especially knowing about crew. I would somewhat consider that to be the final. So then if we're going to do that, okay. then just because we're jumping around a little bit, but I think that makes a lot of sense then I think we should do a little shade for Gambit, their opponents for this match. Just because if this is our entry point that we're recommending to people, I think is super valid. Let's give a little bit of color on Gambit, who is another incredible team at this tournament. And they play yeah. an entirely different style. And that is what makes it so cool to watch these two fight. Exactly. They So Gambit is, you know, obviously from the esports organization of gambit same for league of legends um they've since you know discontinued their league of legends roster have gotten into valorant but gambit i mean i've always been a fan of them since their league of legend days but you know they're always kind of known as just i i think just as an organization as just being just this mysterious russian like mm -hmm dominant force at least in the early seasons of whatever esport they undertake for whatever reason um but this particular iteration of gambit with their valorant roster is particularly interesting um only because you have the value of their in-game leader redgar who is actually more of a charismatic and personal wholesome face to the organization that you have just never seen in gambit yeah. whatsoever yeah. like you think about gambit and league of legends and you're like okay i remember like back when they played you would have alex itch who'd be like one of the only people that would speak like mm -hmm. relatively fluent english and then the rest of the guys are just like soft-spoken only speak one or two words but they're just all super serious and you know just mysterious mysteries like you remember yeah. genja yeah dude genja was like a darian. mystery yeah. all all yeah, in his, yeah. Mm -hmm. genja yeah. and darian all that stuff but anyway yes, yes. redgar though for the in-game leader for Valorant, he really came out in Masters Berlin as just being this wholesome, kind individual, horrible gaming posture. Yeah, yeah, that, I, was, I was waiting for that. <laughs> I oh feel like God. every time we watch them play, I'm like, I am once again asking for us to take a moment to just look at Redgar and acknowledge what is happening over there. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, it's oh my God. An atrocity. It's an atrocity. I, like, he actually has like I, I've watched him stream a couple of times and he has like a command to be like, you know, like back, like exclamation point back, which is just like, I game like this. It's fine. <laughs> that's awesome. It's and it's like so a doctor would say that's not fine, but let's move on. It's just so <laughs> counter to anything we've ever heard in the West. I mean, there's been so many years of like you should get a table that you can raise to stand if you're working all day at computers. You should sit upright in your chair. You should try to work on, you know, you should sit on an exercise ball so that your abs are working during the day. There's so many different techniques. You should stand on a balance board. Like these are the things going around American companies in terms of like how to work at a computer for long periods of time. And this dude is just, I mean... <laughs> 
it's just flying in a totally different direction. And uh, you know what? I say if he's fine with it, I'm fine with it. I don't know how long his career is going to be <laughs> yeah. in that stance. I don't know. But the thing is, like like I said, like it's very dangerous for him to change it now. It's true. Like he could ruin his Yeah, but game. like also how long is his career going to be in esports? Like usually they don't last more than a few years. That's true. Mm-hmm. And um, like if you're if you if you go to work at a nine to five like that, you also might not last more than a few years. But yeah, you know, <laughs> different industries. Yeah, I will say, guys, one thing, something I want every Valorant fan to know, because again, like we've said, Counter Strike is the history. Counter Strike has players that are much older than than many other esports, like much older than League, like in terms of quote legends that can continue to play, because there's like a really natural progression for a highly skilled player um, to become more of like a supportive player or a player with more experience, and they can support other newer players, or they just like they that you just learn so much about the game playing it for so long. You learn how to get smarter kills, how to get teamwork kills. And, you know, maybe you learn how to in-game lead because you've just seen it happen for so long. And so there's a long history of players still playing. And that's part of the reason why, like, people that retired many years ago are relevant in this game. Um, it would it doesn't seem like it makes sense. Because you're like, wait, the game where, like, the most important thing is that the Zoomers can click on people is the one where the legends can actually stay the longest? And, like, actually, yeah, it's a weird way. But teams need that. They need veteran experience, typically, unless now there are some really um, ahead of their time. And that's kind of how you'd probably categorize Ascent, to be honest, is like a group of younger players Mm -hmm. with a coach that are just ahead of their years in terms of maturity and understanding of how to work together. But a lot of teams don't have that. And you can add that to a team, like in Team Liquid, by putting Scream on there, who is long since, uh, I mean, many, many years from being on a relevant Counter-Strike team. And now he's here playing like one of the best players in the world um, many years later. So that's just a strange thing. But it's just a cool fact to know about this game is that some of these people that you are learning about now, you could be watching for a long time um, and checking back in on years later and just seeing how they're doing. So that's cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess like with the thing with Gambit, and I guess this ties into our whole like conversation about Hmm. practicing and scrimming versus streaming and solo queuing um just to give a context of where gambit is at as a team uh their coach uh ang e-n-d-h i um okay he tweeted out statistics of how many scrims they did (laughs) this past year which is this russian bm is it (laughs) (laughs) well I guess so, but it came out to 1,160 scrims just for 2021 alone, Mm -hmm. which averages out to about three scrims a day, but obviously they have some days off. So the point is these guys are fucking grinding. They're practicing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They're practicing together. Yes. Now keep in mind. I want very badly to know how many Sentinels did. Yeah. No, no, keep in mind. Probably 30. No, 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 no. They've definitely practiced a lot more than that. But the thing is, you know, okay, this is an insane number, but let's calculate it in in, in Valorant sense. We don't have to do a crazy calculation. But I just mean Valorant is a shorter game than Counter-Strike. And so it's three games of it is like, they're about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, something like that. So it's like an hour and a half, two hours, about two hours, something like that, you know, somewhere in there. 
per day, which is not insane, but, and I think actually the math that people do when they say like, this is how many it is per day is part of the reason why Gambit appears so scary is because it just feels like they're so consistent with their practice too. And by the way, watch Nats. Aren't Gambit the ones who are chokers? They do have choking issues, but you cannot practice the stage. No, That's I know. It's just thing. I think the consistent is a funny word for a team that was well known as being chokers up until I guess the last tournament which they won, and then this tournament which they didn't choke. But what? No, yeah, but I mean, they were notoriously known as Scrimbit for the yeah. longest time, mm -hmm. only because in scrims they were this force to be reckoned with, and then they'd go and play, you know, in a tournament or on LAN, and they would just not show the same results as their scrim results would show. Yeah. For sure. You know what I respect about their org, though? Look at what they're doing. This is their strategy. They're like, wait, we can make you one of the best teams in the world by making giving you a ton of scrims and giving you a ton of reps and a ton of practice together as a squad. And then they're like, okay, that's true, but we have chokers on our team and they're failing out on the world stage. And what does the organization say? They say, okay, well, we will get you just as many stage games as we have gotten you scrims. And they just kept the team together and they signed them up for everything. All mm -hmm. good. Play as much as you can. Good luck. And that is working <laughs> really well. Really well. They didn't just change someone randomly mm -hmm. and then like fuck up their whole shit and then like change their IGL. Like, no, they just need experience on the stage. So they, they are also super young. Am I right about that? Do you remember? Yeah. I feel like I remember the casters talking about how young Gambit is. Mm hmm. Just overall. Yeah. Well, I would believe that 100%. Yeah. I mean, one of their players literally looks like a 12-year-old. Who is it? It's not Chronicle. <laughs> Defo. Defo. Defo looks, like... looks Defo. the picture of him. I literally thought was a joke. I thought it was a picture of him as a child they were putting on the stream <laughs> like as a joke because he looks so young. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. Uh, but Chronicle also looks like a small child. Very young, but Defo looks like an actual... Like a fifth grader. It's it's just a yeah. particular style of person that I think is foreign to us in the states. Like just that. Test, I think it's like yeah. the haircut style and the just the way the way I'm they. Not the polos. Polos. Yeah. yeah, I think the polos have a lot to do with it as well. I like because... their jackets though. Gambit has mm -hmm. super cool jackets. They do. But wait, more to the point. Can I throw out another hot take here? Sure. This is yeah. my real hot take. This is my actual like you can quote me on this. Hire me as an analyst. Hot take. All right. I this think, is going on Instagram hot take. Okay, let's do it. Um, no, but I just think Gambit is one of those teams that has a really distinctive style. I think they have a really dangerous style. I think they should be careful with it. But essentially, like, Gambit sucks at the beginning of every map. Like, they just suck. They lose, like, somewhere between five and, like, nine rounds just yeah. straight. Yeah. They come out super cold, seemingly always. And, but then on every they, map. Every, it's not every even just map. in a series. Every yeah. map. It's very worrying. And I kept, I think we kept, I kept saying, or we kept saying, like, they, the way to beat them is, like, you just catch them on that. And they just never, they just can't come back. But they always come back because they seem like they figure out their opponents. They, like, make some adjustments. They figure it out. And then all of a sudden they fucking rock your world. I don't, I don't think, I don't necessarily, if I was, like, making a dream team i don't know that i would want that to be my strategy i think it's like really on the edge of like okay we now have to win 12 rounds in a row um but they have a super distinctive style i think crew had a super distinctive style i think um liquid who also made it to the quarterfinals super distinctive style very like old school slow counter-strike yeah like 
You're methodical yeah. kind of. And I my real hot take of this tournament is that teams who came in with their own distinctive style and stuck to it, as they say in like a race where ever like we're gonna go out there and just play our game. <laughs> like they did well. Yeah. They want I mean Fanatic did that to a certain extent. Yeah. And I think where teams like and I'm gonna call, particularly I think Sentinels yeah. fell is that they didn't stick to their style they tried to reinvent themselves and like trying they tried to like really play the meta like really figure out what the valorant meta was right then yeah they played weird comps that they weren't comfortable on and they sucked and these teams who just came in and were like this is how we play the game we understand this here's our plan here's our identity as a team they came out on top i hate to admit it i think cloud nine does that i I fucking hate cloud nine we can talk about that later (laughs) but that's like my real hot take from this entire thing is just like the teams who came in with the style and stuck with it and were just went with it ended up winning ascend clearly has that right yes that's my that's my hot take i mean i i accept your hot take i don't (laughs) think that's a hot take at all actually i i i fully agree with that actually i'll Um, take (laughs) <laughs> no, it's hot because the narrative around the game hasn't got there yet, but I feel like it's just about to cuz I believe that completely. Yeah, I just and I mean like you, yeah. I I, okay. I think like Sentinels is an interesting one only because I think after Reykjavik they kind of got kind of like, you know, put themselves in a corner in terms of being like Fuck! Everyone knows our strategy now. Mm-hmm. We gotta reinvent ourselves. Agreed. And but I feel like in doing so, they absolutely destroyed what made them so great in the Agreed. first place. A hundred percent. And then I think um, it made it worse because they lost in Berlin, and I think they panicked. They did. That's my yeah. theory about what happened. Is like they thought they got red, they lost, and they're like, "Oh my fucking god! Throw it all out the window. Play whatever's well, best." Well, they changed their fucking sensitivity, and that's why you need a fucking coach. <laughs> hey, no, so we're so, back to well, James's point. With the coach. But the, that's the problem. Is that James, you in your mind are describing a good coach. Yes, a good coach adds only positive. However, a coach can say, hey, we got red. Let's change our style up and destroy your team. So you need to have a coach that, okay, in, okay. that adds positive yeah. value. No, no, no. I say this because these are very rare in Counter-Strike. Very rare. There's like four good coaches that I would trust for to do a team. And the rest are like people and you have no idea if they're doing anything or not. Like... Maybe they're calling timeouts. Some of them don't even do that. Like, it Get is... yourself a Belichick. Yeah, so that yeah. is... It turns out that that is a lifetime talent. And if that coach is essentially tens in coach form. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and so those aren't around all the time. Uh, I'm available, though. So. <laughs> um, but I did want to... Oh, okay, go ahead. No, no, please. Sorry, finish. No, no, I, was gonna, I, I did also want to bring maybe another facet into this whole thing but do you think the addition of fracture as a seventh map Mm -hmm. and therefore the utilization of a double ban system do you think that sort of also got teams to kind of overthink their compositions and overthink yes you know try to figure out like the meta you mean like why are people playing breach everywhere all of a sudden is it because of fracture yes is it good I also think it just confused teams. I think one that I remember, I'm sure there were more examples, but like Liquid in that quarter quarterfinals, semifinals, the map where where they got kicked out where they lost. Yeah. I think their pick and ban phase went like 
very poorly. And I think it was because they weren't really sure what to do, and they didn't know if they wanted to play Fracture, and I think they didn't ban maps that they should have, and they ended up losing to Ascend. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I yeah, think they, it was they like... Let- bind through for yeah. ascend which is which, their like a map that they're 12 and one on yeah, the entire bad year choice. so the thing is okay sometimes and that liquid was historic was the entire time, yeah. like, super bad at yeah it was a bad move and i think like things like that you saw happen in the tournament because i think people weren't weren't quite sure if they needed to ban that fracture map or if they could ban something else and yeah yeah no absolutely and the thing is okay ascend has so many things going for them as a team and it's part of the reason why they have fans in many of us here. Uh, but but not only do they have an incredibly skilled uh, star, superstar player in CNED, but they also have second stars, third stars. Like, they have everything from a firepower standpoint you could possibly want. Okay, but that's not even done with them. They also have a really creative and interesting and sound strategic understanding of the game and the maps. And you can mm-hmm. see it because they will put CNED on fucking stage if they think he needs to be. And you would never see tens on Sage, ever. <laughs> but they think, as a team, this is what we need. And he thinks, I agree with you, this is what we need. And they win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's all you got to ask for, dog. Um, so it's it's one of those things where when they have a when they have an 11 and 0 or whatever the fuck streak, I don't know what the number is, but when they have a streak, that is not an accident. They are literally better than you at this map. You should start studying. Like, that is what that team is. This team taught the world. Like, some of their sage walls early on were literally so creative, they were blowing people's fucking minds. Like, it is, it's not an accident that they're so good at this map. So then letting, so but then but then you're kind of fucked if you're liquid, right? And you're fucked if you're facing Ascend, because you're like, if they're that good at bind, do we not think they're just hella good at fracture too? And literally no one else gets it. And some people did get it at this tournament, and Gambit was like, oh, we play this map too. Um <laughs> Wait, what is fracture? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it turns out a sun didn't fracture. At least it, from yeah. the one map we saw, it didn't look like they practiced that map at all. I but feel like, like Liquid is kicking like, themselves. Oh, if yes, I was like, yes. I would be kicking myself for letting bind through and not letting fracture through. Like yeah. the ascent look looked yeah. deeply beatable on fracture. It looked yeah. like I could have gone out there and potentially beat them on fracture. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not really true, but. Um, yeah, I think Liquid's probably kicking themselves for that one. I, that, and that's what yeah. I mean. I think like that, that having that new map in there for the first time and having a double ban for the first time definitely threw teams. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. It. You guys are all right about this 100%. And I don't know, the only seed I want to plant on that is just that what if Ascend was actually decent at the map and Gambit was just that good? Like... <laughs> yeah, all right, that's, just, I mean, that's the other thing. Yeah, <laughs> Just enjoy that intellectually. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Um... Yeah. So, all right. Um, which which series were we talking about specifically? Were we talking about? Well, so we weren't really talking about a series in particular. We were talking a little bit about Gambit, but gotcha. like, but also, I I think at this point we're also kind of talking about what is ultimately just the downfall of NA. Yeah. Uh, which we you know we've we've gone at length with talking. You know, Sentinels ends up losing to Crew Esports two to one to lose well first of all sentinels loses versus liquid in an epic three map uh three map Mm -hmm. series which was toe to toe but again we talk about following the meta it ends in split which sentinels i don't think split for sentinels is all that great to be honest and it's because they 
I, well, for one thing, at least with the Liquid game, they put tens on Jet, but then the next time when they face Crew Esports and they go split, they put tens on Rays. Yeah. All of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah, they clearly are unsure yeah. about what to do there. Yeah. Didn't mm-hmm. they put tens on Rays in Berlin too, and like really have a bad time? Well, on yeah, split? that's where they like literally threw it. Was was the previous tournament with the last map there? And he said in an interview, Ten said like, "Oh, I just we wanted to change our comp on the map." but I wasn't practiced enough on it, which is like, that means you shouldn't play. <laughs> like, it's just like, what the fuck does that mean? Guys, look at this. Yeah, part. it's like, just play something you're comfortable with. Just do that. Yeah, I think that's maybe the key for Sentinels is that they've gotten too far away from playing things that they actually know how to play, and they're yeah. trying too hard to fit into the boxes of the meta, Yeah, and they are currently bad. They are literally, they literally said people and bought the narrative and drank the cool as you guys have mentioned before but i just want to it's literally it like when they say people are looking for us they're studying for us so we have to to like change our shit up like they are literally unbuilding the foundation that got them there i mean it's just it's like it's horrifying to watch i do want to read this really quick for people look at these stats now we can see them on screen but i'm gonna read them for you this was a close game this last one on split score line but was it close? Not in our memories, right? And here's why. So it was 13-10. So Team Liquid took it. So 13-10, that seems pretty close. I'm going to read to you Sentinel's score lines. And I think I am typically a huge proponent of there's so much more to read into a game than stats. And there is. And I haven't talked about stats of any other, other like uh, t- matches so far. And I may not even later. But it does tell a story here. Because look at this, dude. <laughs> okay. So Dapper's fucking on the top, 18 and 18, if I can see that correctly. And five assists, nice. 18, 18 is in kills and deaths. Yes. K-D-A, kills, death, assists. Thank you. Um, Sick, 19, 15, and nine assists. Impressive. But he's also sage, so he can heal people. Um, Shazam here, 13, 19. Keep in mind, they lost the game, so you're going to start going negative. That makes total sense. Tens, 12, 20. A really low score for someone with that much kill potential and for someone with who's as good as he is and then zom's seven and 18 um with by the way 17 assists which is actually a really impressive score for astra all things considered but you'll notice that they start about one for one pretty much and there's like maybe like sick oh i love how this scoreboard is not oriented by <laughs> sick getting those kills anyways doesn't matter but the point is just that it's about one for one and a little bit less and then you look over at team liquid and scream is 25 and 15 and you're like oh and then Soulcast is 24 and 15. And you're like, oh. And then Yippie's 15 and 13, which like already feels like one of the better scorelines that you would even find on the other side. And then yeah. Link is 14 and 14. And Nevera is 12 and 12. They don't even have a single person negative at all. And they have giant positives. And you look at this and you're like, this was not close. <laughs> like this was yeah. not close. Yeah. I do want to backtrack something I said earlier because I thought about it. I said, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I thought about my statement and I was wrong. But no, I just, I said that that um, Sentinels was bad. And I think the one like shining piece for Sentinels is that if you look at who they actually played, yes, they went out before group stages was even over, but they also played two teams who made it into the quarterfinals and who looked really good. Agreed. And I don't think anyone expected, you know, they they lost to Liquid. Very respectable. Liquid went on to the quarterfinals. 
They also lost to Crew, who I think at the time we were, we were everyone was like, "What the fuck?" They lost to Crew, but looking back on it now, you know, Crew was pretty fucking good. They were yeah. having a good tournament. They went very far, and so I think Sentinels may not be as bad as we think as we're making them out to be. However, I don't think they look particularly good, and I do think still think our my read slash our read that they have gone too. They've let go of themselves, sort of. They've let go of their style. And they're playing too much of the meta is a problem i'm like i'm okay with that narrative i just think we should give them a small note which is that they probably aren't bad they did lose to very good teams oh i agree i think it's Mm -hmm. worth saying they are a very good team all in all the 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 water level rose a lot at this tournament so the competition is getting really fierce really fast and they are throwing strategically and if you put those two things together yeah, like that, that's going to suck. And I, I don't mean that in like in a hateful way um, and like or even a mean way at all. It's just like they are trying to figure it out and they're not there yet. And the result of not being there yet is you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. You you can't win and be like on the way to figuring out your identity. And I, I, I don't want to leave this discussion without talking about Tense because I think it's interesting. Because Tense is obviously one of the potentially best players like in the world. I mean, and, and that didn't go away because of these past couple performances. That's not gone. It's there. You can see that any day of the week on his stream. We've talked about what that's doing to him, but all right. Um, for him, it's almost a good thing. It's almost. I do think he'd use more uh, practice in actual real aim fights, but he do- he creates real aim fights out of solo queue more than anyone else does, really, because it doesn't matter what you're doing. He jumps over a box and shoots three people before he hits the ground with his knives. So it's like, right. cool. <laughs> I can practice that on random people rocking around. Um, but the thing is, they try to fit this entire team into what they believe the meta is and into a mold. And so they were like, Tens, you are the best opper. You should op. And it's like, okay. And they're like, Tens, you're the best jet. You should jet. And they're like, okay. And then they're like, Jet is a character that fights first engagements. And you're like, okay. And then they're like, Tens, go run in there and kill everyone. And that shit is really hard to do when you're facing teams. <laughs> They'll trade you instant, and then you just lost the best player on your entire team. <laughs> just like that. Um, or they use utility mm-hmm. to flash them off the angle or something like that. And so it's very rigid. And keep in mind, they have Shazam on this team who the saddest shit is after this tournament, man. He just literally gets home. And on the same day he gets home on the plane, he's like jet lagged and can't really sleep or some shit. And so he just streams and he plays jet every fucking game he's a jet main on your team he's good with the op why are you taking that shit from him so that you have to put the world on your back or you lose when you're one of the best like trade fragger slash uh scene switcher slash fast sense slash i'm in the middle of chaos i got three kills how did i do it player maybe of all time he's instead suiciding right away to die in their strategy so it's just a matter of they think this is how the characters are supposed to be played and they are not instead going towards their strengths as a team. Um, and it's really, honestly, quite sad to watch. I, I hope they fix it. Um, we shall see. But what are, you, what are you trying to say? Just, you're making me think But if of... it keeps working in NA, that's all the practice that they're going to be able to get. It's true. it's true. It's true. I also, on the... Look, I think Tens is also struggling on Leanne, and I mean that in, like, the most loving way possible. I think he's having a hard time. That's not my point. My point is just that, like, one of the things they took Tens off of was Reyna, right? Originally, when they first started playing together, like, when Tens was first just, like, subbing in, 
Shazam played Jet, Tens played Reyna, and I think they decided sort of, they must have decided as a team, Reyna's not really viable, we need to have a Jet, we can't have all this, you know, and so they took Tens off, off Reyna, put him on Jet, etc. That's where we ended up. However, there's a ton of Reyna played at this tournament. Yeah. Like Scream in particular, who beat them. Um, was smurfing on them with Reyna. Was playing Reyna. <laughs> and like, yeah, rocking people's worlds. And he wasn't the only Reyna in the tournament. So I think that it just kind of goes, I guess I'm just doubling down on my hot take and explaining why I think I'm more, even more right. But just, yeah, I think the teams who did well played to their strengths. And if you are really good at Reyna, play Reyna. And if you have a really good like like getting the first pick and falling back opera jet character so the thing is you have to understand when tens this is the classic example you see this a lot in esports teams and it says really really it's really bad omens for the team's strategy uh strategy but it's when this happens player joins roster now why did tens joins uh join sentinel is a story for another day but there's drama from previous tournaments obviously and basically right before a t- big tournament he's in he's actually like in not even free agency but he's out streaming and they just like pick him up and they're like hey man can you play with this tournament and he's like holy shit and they instantly click as a team and they start doing incredible and so then this narrative starts like this well if that's what the team had done only one after one week of practice then can you imagine what they would do if they do practice and we have seen it now they fall off because they don't understand how not necessarily we're not saying that they're not practicing i I don't have any idea whether they're practicing or not but they are practicing wrong (laughs) is the real thing because they're they had a style before where it was like hey tense can you just fit into this system it's not the best system we can't really play all of our normal strats because sinatra isn't here and so like we're kind of fucked but can you just like try to fit into this do as best you can that was the best iteration of the team we've seen so far and ever since they've tried to actually say now we can actually build it all together they don't know how the pieces actually fit is really the thing because they have competing roles and they have very distinct understanding of who can play what like you know dapper is going to play like utility characters like for the most part and like really he's just a really talented player could play anything but then it's like you know sick as it's like the way their their quote champion pools are almost driven by the roles in the game it's like just such linear thinking to how to approach things. And so it's 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 tough. Um, but it's just like, this is something that happens a lot and watch this for this in esports. Watch that pattern of like, imagine what would happen if they got together. And sometimes teams that are actually trying less, but just click naturally and are playing by instinct are actually better than when they try to put intention into their strategy. So all of this stuff is happening at once for them and it's really sad to watch. But I, I hope that, I personally hope they bounce back. I love them as a team. I love watching them. Um, I learn a lot from them and I love having an NA team that's very strong, but like, I'm like serious, watch for that trend in esports because it's the start of a hype machine that is only going to slap back so hard. It's going to sting. And I think it's happening here. I think it's a little unfair to say that that was the best iteration because that was like a year ago and like everybody's way better at this game at this level than they were a year ago. So Mm -hmm. I think that like, I, I, I don't know that they necessarily would have done worse in this tournament playing that way that, that when they first started. But I, I don't know. I can't, you know, you can't say they would have done better because the level of competition is just so much higher than it was in that tournament. Yeah, yeah it's definitely true. I will say, we, you're right, we will never know. They did not lose a map. So they did pretty good. <laughs> but it's true. We can't. Oh, know. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, agreed. And so that's what they're 
they're facing now. Yeah, but a lot of these teams, I think James has a point that, you he know, does. a lot of these teams weren't really fully formed. Like, Gambit was still choking, Ascendway, like, you know, there was a lot happening. Yeah, I think Fnatic was a totally different Ascend Fnatic back then. Mm -hmm. Didn't exist yet, basically. Yeah, Liquid was not playing well. They hadn't figured it out yet. Agreed. Totally was agreed. Was Liquid even at that tournament? I don't they know. They were, and they, this was the start of them not impressing me, which then ended with this tournament, which I was literally blown away. Yeah. 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 So it's so fair. And dude, I really hope that this kicks something into gear for the next year for them because they are an excellent team if they are working together. They are a teamwork team, and that is, to me, the defining factor of why they won previously is because they would show up in sites when they needed to be there, and they would bail each other out. And what that it's like a, a person is isolated in a site, and they're like, fuck me, they're rushing me, help me, help me. And it's like you either let that guy die and you retake with your team, or you run through a smoke and you just hope that both of you guys farm everyone. And there were a bunch of plays that they had where they farmed everyone due to teamwork and due to uh basically amplifying your teammate in that one exact key moment instead of letting him die and so that's a teamwork team and it was one of the most beautiful things to watch about them and that can come back i will say really quickly just for this for the nerds out there i do think their lack of playing gear characters made them stick around at their positions longer and not rotate as fast along with the meta changing and lurks and stuff being much more relevant um but also fast rushes being much more relevant too um so they had a hard time grouping up because they were afraid of lurks because the gear character wasn't holding their backs. And that's something that Chamber could actually fix um, in next meta. So something to think about there. Watch those games if you want to back and look at that. I, I was oddly struck by that during the games because they were holding their positions, afraid that it was a fake, and people were just getting isolated and murdered. And, it, and the thing is, it doesn't matter who you are. And in fact, it's usually, sometimes it's even worse if you're a star player, if you're isolated by five people because you actually think you can do it. There's something that's broken with your brain where you think, I could pick these five people and survive. You can't, you die. And you're traded. If not zero for one, you didn't even get a kill. And that's what people were doing them. They were just walking over to people and killing them before the teammates get there a lot of the time. So, something to look at. It'll be, it'll definitely be interesting, especially next year as well. I mean, you say with Chamber, but like by the time another tournament happens, there could be like two new yeah. to other new agents mm -hmm. by that time that is just the crazy evolution that has come with this game yeah um but okay so i mean do we want to talk about anything else just in regards to the group stages specifically we talk about oh in regards to the group stages oh, okay yeah, yeah I was gonna no. say, just before really... we move on Really not much. I mean, I think another, maybe just an another shout out though. I, I guess I'm not qualified to really talk that much about them because I didn't really watch any of their games, but uh, a team from the Philippines made it to the finals or the group or the playoffs, hmm. excuse me, uh, with Team Secret, cool. which again, like kind of a, the same that Elena was saying with like a Chilean team, like you don't really hear about a team specifically from the Philippines making it past the group stages in any major tournament um and so team secret definitely showed up um and in surprising fashion too especially since their first series versus gambit they got 13-0 down a map and it mm -hmm. looked yeah. dire for them yeah um but, but you also understand look back. at this group though right like i just i don't want to be a naysayer but look at this group it's like the second they lost a gambit they had to play teams i've never seen play before and so one of those teams had to make it out mm -hmm. so there's also that um, and the Do reason why I say that raccoons play league before, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Boaster did apparently, but, but I only say that because I would have liked to see team secret play, but they never played anyone I'd ever heard of. So I never watched any of their games. <laughs> so fair. I hope they show up next time big and we can see them. Um, 
But like, you know, I have no idea what the fuck happened there. I hope they did well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <sighs> and then we have uh, the groups of Vision Strikers, Full Sense Fanatic, and Cloud9. Boo. So, sorry. <laughs> well, so, so I want to get into this. So like, obviously there, there's, you know, Another EMEA team makes it out. Fnatic, you know, wins all of their matches, both against Cloud9 and against Vision Strikers. Uh, Cloud9, on the other hand, is a relative... It's it's a team that we have not seen play on the world stage yet, uh, only because Cloud9 qualified via the last chance qualifiers. Mm -hmm. Um, But they did not make Masters 2. They did not make Masters 3. So this is a relatively, like... unknown though it is following the league of legends formula of cloud nine comes in as a third seed and somehow is the only team to make it out of groups yeah super um, fair <laughs> super fair always happens they i feel um, like they must do you think it was similar to in league like i i don't know the league ones as much but here it felt like they just i had no idea until after they did it but basically they were just missing one piece and the second they got it that shit just clicked into gear and it mm-hmm. went fast like is that how the yeah. leagues do work mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I mean, not necessarily only because league rosters don't, well, they used to not change as much like mid circuit or like mid year as much as they do maybe even now. Um, It was just always a story in the past though, that cloud nine would just always be like that team lurking underneath the top two standings. They're like, they're, they're good, but they always lose to the top two teams. And then all the time people are just like, oh, they're just cloud nine. But then just every single year, at least prior to, I'd say, 2019, like they would come into a last chance kind of bracket formula and just make a dream run to mm-hmm. make it to Worlds. Awesome. And then not only make it to Worlds, but then they would also like be the only NA team to make it out of groups. So... You know, Valorant's trending well for NA if this is how it's going. Oh, no. That's actually the worst omen ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's likely. No. <laughs> but so I, I, I want to I pick Elena's brain here, though. So, like, I, I so I, I will, full disclosure, I follow Cloud9 League uh, pretty intently. Not, ma- not as much in the past year, I'd say, but Cloud, I'm a fan of Cloud9 League. Uh, Cloud9 Valorant, though, I've never... I only follow their women's team, really. I, I have not followed Cloud9 Blue as much. Um, all I knew is that they had picked up Vanity, who's no, who used to be on uh, version 1, which mm-hmm. made a run at Masters Reykjavik. Um, so tell me, Elena, what about Cloud9 Blue just makes you... I don't know. Yeah. Just makes you upset. I think... So I was introduced to Cloud9 Blue... Again, like we we didn't watch the last initial qualifiers. I don't think really. I hadn't ever no. seen this team. Well, play they were a until... giant fucking travesty. Yeah. Okay. Well, we could. We don't need to talk about that. We right don't. Now. But they were really um, canceled in the middle and started again. So like we kind of right. just okay. Popped I remember off the train. that. Anyways, right. the point is, I was introduced to Cloud9 through those like YouTube, those like super artsy YouTube videos they made about all the NA teams who made it to um, this tournament. Yeah. Probably. So we watched, you know, the Sentinels one. It was like tens in a forest somewhere and it was super cool and then we watched the um envy envy one which was like yay in a like it was all el diablo themed cowboy hat etc and then the cloud nine one was like was like them in a diner and it uh, cloud nine uh, no shade on them for this they are like the 
most gamery gamer, like the <laughs> nerdiest looking people. Like you see them out as five, and I swear to God, you could see them on a street and be like, that is a professional video game team. There's no other thing that they could be doing together. Um, they really look like that. And that's fine with me. No shit for that. But I actually love that. They, as a team, have a ambiance, like a type of swagger. Is it anti-charisma? They do have some anti-charisma. And again, like, I, you know, individually, there's only really one of them that I dislike, and it's Vanity. I really dislike Vanity. Yeah. And I think that what it ends up looking like, and this is a narrative I have complete. this is my headcanon. I don't know. But Vanity is like the cool kid, right? He's like got all this swagger and he's like, yeah, I fucking have a judge and I'm the in-game leader and I'm like super fucking smart. I'm the smartest brain here. And like I tell these boys what to do and we're like, we're going to go all the way. We're super great. And to be fair, they did great. They went out of stages. But then it's like Vanity's personality and persona has like taken over these four nerds. And together, they're ju- I just really dislike Vanity and his, like, really BM kind of, like, nasty. He's just, like, not nice. And that is, like, the most, like, I am a female watching esports being like, be nice to each other, you guys. Don't say that. Don't yell at him. But I just, I, I dislike that about him. And yeah. it really rubs me wrong. And, like, watching him play against... Was it Liquid I was? Yeah. yeah. They played a game against Liquid that I almost was like, turn this shit up. Because Cloud9 is sitting there. They're doing fine. But they're just screaming at Scream. And it's just yeah. Vanity telling Scream to like, put your head down. Like, what are you fucking doing? And like. Yeah, when it says, you're on, you're on Raina, bro. Entry. Yeah. Like, they just like. And they called, I Link, they called Link Bald in the chat. They Did called Link that? Bald in the chat. Yeah. They're just like. They're mean. Mean. It's not good. It's not good sportsmanship. And like I watch professional football. I do root for the Green Bay Packers, which is like the nicest team in football. It but so I understand like trash talk is a part of games. And there's like I've seen Counter Strike teams who I like who have like a swagger or a trash talk element to it. But the way that Vanity does it strikes me as being like more targeted and more mean and more individual than I comfortable with and so i don't love that cloud nine is like the new face of na sort of because they're just sort of nasty um in terms of gameplay i actually think they have a lot going for them they do they have a really distinctive style and like to give vanity credit he is the mastermind of that style apparently and he really sticks to it and i think that's why they did well you know like their vanity's judge he's super good but it's it's just their like ambiance as a team that I I just can't root for. I actively root against. I and I yeah. it that's just me. I'm not saying it's right. You can send us hate mail saying you love how they trash talk. Like that's what video games are about. But like to me, it's just too much. It's uh, I don't think it's a good look on the big stage. Like if you watch that game against Liquid too, like Liquid can get excited. Like other teams get excited. They'll yell at each other. Like boasters, like you know, always doing weird shit. But it's Cloud Nine does something different, or Vanny in particular is more pointed and more individual with it in a way that I don't like. Yeah. And that's just that's that was it for me. That's why I don't like them. Um, and I feel very strongly about it. That's my own personal opinion. But yeah. I feel strongly that I I really dislike how Vanity 
not plays the game, but carries himself. And, 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 and. They're on cloud nine. The org. The nice people. The, like, famous for, like, they, cloud like, nine does so much work. I remember like, lemonation with his little notebook. Like, taking notes and getting, like, that was the cloud nine I could root for. Yeah, they're I don't follow, like, I haven't followed the League of Legends roster for the past year because they've, the whole organization as a whole, save for the women's team, I'd say, or, I mean, even them in some respects, like, it, it has definitely gotten to be more, I don't want to say, like, meme but, like, uh-huh. definitely more, like, they, they've gotten a lick of success and now it's, like, they're becoming very, like, big-headed. That's super yeah. interesting. Mm, yeah. And I, like, the, the women's team's a little bit less only because, like, you know, they're they're still trying to make their way through, like, you know, qualifiers and compete with men's teams. And for that, I can respect. Uh, but, like, yeah, as soon as, like, the League of Legends team won a ca- couple of championships, it's just suddenly, like, everything got to be more trash-talky. But I also just think that's a that's a statement of the esports space as it stands right now like sure as much as i mean i i too hate it but casters and storylines absolutely love and soak up the trash talk every single time you mm-hmm. know they the whole reason why uh, Vanity was calling Link bald was because there were jokes about bald gang, bald gang for life, like the whole championship and everything. Um, and so it's just like, it's, it's like trying to t- turn all this BM and make it more memeable. But I, I agree with you, like, I hate it. I, yeah. I And I think that's why I like teams like Gambit, who their whole, like the biggest trash talk i guess they do is chronicle just yelling after a clutch and then he looks yeah. back at his coach and he's like sorry coach like shados could be a real asshole if he wanted to be he just isn't and i i guess too like i don't have a problem with trash talk. like i think that counter teams we've watched and like there are plenty of valorant teams who do trash talk some it's just it's the particular way that the cloud I, I don't even trust all of cloud nine i don't want to like call everybody out not that anyone will ever listen to this my my it's my, vanity bro but i really do think it's it's the way that vanity does it in like a very individual way that just seems mean spirit it seems mean spirited to me i mean I he's think like what he's it is. like a bully like i think that trash talk can be like a lot of bravado and like excitement and like I, it can, and you know, and they're respect. they're hyping themselves up, and there's respect if it goes back and forth. But like watching, they did it the whole tournament. But that Liquid game really stands out to me. Of like, Liquid is just playing; they're just playing the game, yeah. and they're yelling and getting excited and they're whatever. But they're not doing it back to them. It's not like it's not fun. And I think to the way that Vanity does it, it doesn't seem fun to me. It seems mean, yeah. and that's like where, for at least for me, I I kind of draw a line. Um, but yeah, but like keep in mind, like there are different flavors to to personality, and it, the person that they used to have before all this happened was Tens, and he's like one of the most lovable characters in the whole NA scene. Mm-hmm. People just love him. He's he just fucking loves mouse mice and mice mice pad customizations and mouse pads and fucking like tinkering. He just changes sensitivity to tr- like all the time to try to fucking see if he can flick targets. He's just shooting like you should look at that. And they initially hired him for his personality, and it was defining. It was a very classic cloud nine move like you got the nicest and potentially most skilled guy in the whole scene like what a fucking brilliant move and i i maintain this to this day that when people were saying like 
Sentinels needs to buy tens, like how much, how much, how much? I think everybody in that scenario needed to come to the table with a better play, which was Cloud9 should have bought Sentinels. <laughs> like they should not have given tens. They should have bought Sentinels mm-hmm. um, and then just clean Zoms up a little bit, would you? Um, and then you're good to go. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, seriously, just give a one social media manager, you know, just just one course, um, right? Yeah. Um, and we're good. But instead they have what's actually, unfortunately, like four, I think really nice, but like Zeta's awesome. Zeta's awesome. I will say, I mean, credit where credit is due. Leaf popped off. Yeah, he did. Like Leaf yeah. was insane yeah. in a map. Um, oh yeah, I think it was two maps in particular. Two maps. Yeah, yeah. It was wild. Yeah. And he, I don't remember seeing him like do anything that offended my sensibilities. So I, I do, but I, then I, again, like, that at least that youtube video and it's just like again it's my personal narrative was like it really seemed like they were all like those four were just like looking up to vanity being like he's so fucking cool and vanity's just sitting there being a jerk and i'm like don't look up to him yeah. <laughs> i hate that but like look at the teams of this tournament real quick that went far and look at how little dicks there actually are on this like okay you can make you got calm James. down calm down calm <laughs> <laughs> look look it's yeah fair fair okay so you know james is dialed in <laughs> god damn it man uh but like okay so the thing is okay you can make the case about star so right and so i would make that case maybe occasionally but like ascend really lovable really nice i think i i, th- I think star so is the least offensive of all of this types of sort and of there's a lot pr- of mutual respect there like i think about like that uh, that ascending gambit game like and they're they're regionals they clearly know each other but like at the end of that they all hugged like it was really lovely mm-hmm. there's yeah. like a lot of mutual respect i think between the teams they were dancing together yeah, yeah. they had that like i'm doing yeah. it right now no one can see it but it's like this jiggly it's the wavy arm move. thing i like love the it of a yeah, yeah. Like, that's yeah. that's fun yeah. Um, so that's yeah. Ascend. Mm-hmm. There's, you already talked about Gambit. They have seemingly no emotion and they're trying to show a little bit more because they think it would be good for the fans. Um, well, you have, I mean, <laughs> I guess if you want to talk about a little bit about Gambit, they beat Crew two to one in a close map and Gambit's in tears for Crew yeah. after yeah. that game yeah. because they're just like, yeah. fuck, man, you're such a great team. And because and that was such interview. a crazy map, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then the post-game yeah. interviews, they're just like, crew, don't change your roster. You got this. And I'm just like, yeah. this is like the biggest sportsmanship I've ever seen ever. Like, this yeah. is amazing. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, and Team Liquid, there's literally like, okay, so we're, we're kind of going off right in there. It's a little bit for Team Liquid. But you do see the you see the clip where he's talking to Solkas, and he's just like, and Solkas just got a clutch, but he was like, I think he was second guessing himself during the round and Scream is like pumping him up after he's like I told you to never second guess yourself you're a fucking demon man or something Which, like, like this I, I, yeah. again, and I think yeah, yeah like that has that team has a nice vibe you know you don't see them screaming you see them yelling and getting excited but not like yeah. being mean to yeah. other people but like Envy also mm-hmm. not giant dicks although there's like there's plenty of rumors about envy people being dicks behind the scenes, but like at least they don't just actively shit on people on the stage. But you and understand they, I, a that's meta. a team that I think does tra- and Sentinels trash talks. Like they you've seen, we've all Dapper seen clips. They didn't so much Dapper. this tournament, but um, they I you know like, there are plenty of clips of Sentinels of yelling things at other at the other yeah. team because well, I think there's also something that's happening because these lands don't have crowds. You can hear the other team. And so when you scream something at the other team, they can actually hear what you're saying, which I don't yeah. know that that happened previously. It does previously. not happen on stage, no. Um, so, so Sentinels does it, but the way that Sentinels does it, maybe we don't, 
love it 100%. I don't have a problem with it because again, it's not pointedly mean at another player. It's not like you are you are bad. What do you, it's you in particular have a feature I don't like on your body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's more just like general BM. Yeah, I don't even like that to be honest. But I get it though. Like. But the thing is, you have to understand, they started the metagame. I think if anyone copied anything from Sentinels, it was yelling at your opponents. Like, I think that, Mm -hmm. and because Riot was literally just fucking drinking that shit, like it was fucking blood and they were a fucking vampire. They were like, oh, put the cameras on there again. Weird analogy, dude. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That that was Shazam yelling that. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually is one of the things that fucking Vanity yells. And for a while, it was like his only line. Yeah, and he was losing as well, and I, and that gives me a special joy. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know, just beating you handily? Like, what do you want? But um, <laughs> No, but it's true. Like, And actually, this tournament, if you know, they were way lighter on showing people after rounds. They were watching people. You were watching people's body, AFK, in the game, with their knife out, looking at a wall for five seconds before they roll the leap play, while a team is standing up and high-fiving. And you're not seeing it. Because they clearly wanted to do something about the metagame of people being yelling at each other. I don't know. They Whatever it is, they gave yeah. it so much less airtime this time. And I was honestly, yeah. like, kind of freaked out I, about it. I think they changed it partway through. Because at the beginning, in, in um, like, somewhere in group stages, they were showing a lot of clips. And they were showing, like, they were using clips of Vanity yelling things at other players in, like, the hype video, like, montage afterwards. Um and then sometime around quarterfinals, maybe even like late group stages, they I think you're right. I think they stopped showing the player cams. I think they read they read Twitter and Twitter was like fuck all these players. These people are jerks. Yeah. Do you think it was after no. the Vivo Key to Sun game? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, wait, 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 like oh, we shouldn't be showing. Well, cuz cuz honestly, the the big thing about that was after that decider map where Ascend started up 7-0 after the game. Starzo did a little dance in front of Keed, Keed Stars and, uh, <laughs> or Vivo Keed, sorry, Keed yeah. Stars, what? <laughs> I think I said that earlier and I think I fucked that up, so my bad. On that. Uh, but, yeah. uh, but Starzo did a little dance and Twitter erupted with death threats. <laughs> so, God damn yeah. it. That's another aspect of the Brazilian scene. Yeah. I believe, okay, look, if you are Brazilian and I'm wrong about this, don't come for me. But what I remember from Counter-Strike is that the Brazilian scene is somewhat well-known for sending death threats. They are. They d- they'll fucking kill you. We're not. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what it is is it's um described often as a passionate fan base <laughs> is, is the way you can politically say that. You'll hear broadcasters mention. I'm pretty sure Pansy's talked about it. Like, yeah. it is well-known and they are really um the words that they use the phrases the idioms that are in that language are very violent very violent like like it's because i mean killing someone is obviously really violent violent but they like like to describe it too (laughs) like the way they'll do it when they'll do it like just weird shit you're like what the fuck like there, there have been tweets like fucking the second you get off stage i'm killing you and you're like oh i what do I do with that? Like, as a caster, do I just accept that into my soul? Do I get a bodyguard? Do I think about that during the cast? Like, and it's just, I don't know. It's, I, to say it the most kind way, it is not culturally a good fit for the way we view the world. Um, to put it other ways, it's fucking crazy. It seems, it seems really mean and really hateful, but yeah, a passionate fan base. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe, maybe that had something to do with the lack of 
like they only would show I, I noticed that they only showed player reactions when they themselves clutch something which like yeah mm-hmm. i'm actually only in replay okay with i think no yeah. i'm 100 I'm, I'm percent not okay with that which i think oh. i just think that the fact they were only doing it during replays means that essentially they were screening i think they were screening them to make sure it wasn't something crazy yeah um I, I think it's okay listen we can different discount this not we don't need to take it low but i think it's okay to show someone who lost and their frustration i think that's all part of the game oh oh yeah mm-hmm. no that that's fine I, I i just mean the the bming like vanity style like elena's saying I like see. i'm okay yeah. if that's not shown. I see. Like I, I think they showed it a lot. I think in Reykjavik, uh, where it would show somebody BMing a player across the stage, and then mm-hmm. they show that same player like head in his hands, like groaning. Yeah. It's like yeah. whether or not those two clips actually happened, like one after the other, or if it was just spliced together of like, oh look, here's Vanity screaming at Scream. And here's a completely separate incident where Scream had his head in his hands. Let's splice the two together oh, to evil. make it look like Vanity got to Scream or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, yeah. That's another I, thing that Vanity yelled at Scream is just put your head in your hands. Like, do it. Mm-hmm. Fucking do Because I think that's, Scream does that. So anyway, anyways. Yeah. The thing I, is, I guys, guys, I guys, like this it. is already solved, I think. Like, if we were running a college league, you would find these people and it would be done in an instant. Like, to have sportsmanship rules. Call it a day. It's mm-hmm. done. It's done. They don't have to be that intense. I don't think they should be. They don't have to go to football. Like, if you spike the ball, I swear to God, if you show celebration <laughs> noises. Um, they got no. rid of that, yeah. Yeah, like, that was a, a laughable rule. And the second it happened, I was like, this is a laughable rule. And, I mean, looking back on it, it's a laughable rule. But, like, they could solve this in a meaningful way and still allow us to see the players' reactions in this so-called land. <laughs> like, come on, please. That's what I'm here for. They're like, this is an online match. You're going to see the game only. And I'm like, why the fuck are we here? <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. Fair. Yeah. But all right. Um, so yeah, we're we're at the we're at the finals though. So yeah, Team Liquid Cloud Nine. Team Liquid beats them handedly. Well, I wouldn't say handedly. It was a two zero. However, like you said, Leaf popped off and made yeah. the games close. But however, if we took Leaf out of the equation, mm-hmm. <laughs> would it have been close? I I I don't know. So so the thing is okay. The narrative around Cloud9 was was seriously... And I watched, I think, every single one of their games. The narrative around them was Leaf's a fucking monster, and it's like Leaf and Friends. It was like CNET all over again. And you look at them, and it did not look like that for the majority of the tournament. I actually thought they played really even uh, star-wise mm-hmm. a lot of the game. And I thought it was really teamwork, and it was smart utility usage, and smart KO usage. Like, talk about an adaption to the meta that made sense, and that was cool. Like, Cloud9 was running that shit. Um, to me, I actually personally just think it was Dirty Force buying, which is part of their style, but I think strategically, I think it's something that will work in NA, but not on the world stage. That's my personal opinion. Um, but like Leaf was not a monster in all their games and, and every fucking every caster's desk was just, well, if Leaf comes in here and drops fucking 30, like this is going to be a game for Cloud9, but other than that, I don't see how they can come through. And I'm like, really? Wow. Okay. Sleep guy must be amazing. I didn't see anything for a bunch of games. Until I did. <laughs> Holy I, shit. I just, saying, just pulling up this series, looking at score lines, bind, leaf, 28 kills. Next person up is Mitch with 14. Ascent, leaf, 25 kills. Next up is Zeta with 16 kills. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think I remember when I, those were both close maps, but in the end, Liquid won. One thing I remember about those 
that because Scream is my pro player spirit animal, because he headshots only, and mm-hmm. I respect that, and that is my personal goal. I just remember, too, like, Leaf was notably dominating, like, yeah. looked insane. And I remember then looking at the score lines afterward and being like, Scream is, like, one kill behind him. But it's quiet. Like, I yeah, don't remember agreed. it being as big, but I think that's why they were able to hang. It's just because Scream was quietly also crazy. Scream played amazing mm-hmm. this tournament, and so did his brother, Nevera. Honestly, their you whole guys, team played amazing. What a storyline. Yeah. That we can root for. Yeah, I was just mm-hmm. watching a montage of Forest clips, which is a famous Counter-Strike guy that hasn't made his way over to Valorant, probably retired beforehand. But anyways, in one of the clips is Nevera in the background like, getting shot in the middle of this Nevera. highlight reel. Yes. And I was like, no way! <laughs> What's up, bro? And it was awesome. Oh, but if you were ever scared about one one person like Scream, well, he's got a brother in the Vera game as well. And so it's just like, oh boy, there's two of them. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. cute. Navera, I really appreciate the fact that he plays a very dis- distinct and different style than his brother. He looks distinct and different and he plays distinct and different, but it is a beautiful style. Like he has his own style and I really love that. Like it's it, it's it's such a beautiful pairing to Scream because Scream is actually someone who's kind of hard to pair on a team because like he needs to be in exactly the right spot or else it's not going to work. But if it is, it's beautiful. We saw some aces at this tournament. I also thought we can stop talking. I like Team Liquid a lot, so I'm going to talk about them. But I also, it was funny to me that during the tournament, like the narrative was like, Ooh, like Nevera, how's he gonna do? Is he gonna be able to hang on land? And then they were like super surprised, like, oh, he's got like ice in his veins because he had a lot of clutches. Like he appeared to be completely unfazed. But I think then if you think about him and you realize he was playing Counter Strike at the time, like with next to Forest, like the man's he's had experience. He's had experience. Yeah. So I think I don't know. I think that's like a funny narrative. Like the casters are like, oh, like this is his like little brother. Let's see how we can do. And it's like, you guys, this is a seasoned Counter Strike pro. Yeah. This is not a kid they got <laughs> off the street on his first like baby's first land. This is yeah. a man who. Knows. So, anyways. And he looks totally comfortable in the game. Welcome to Valorant, friend. Like, you are here. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but then Liquid get, I would say, dumpstered by Ascend. They did. Mm -hmm. That Uh, was rough. One more shot. I have to say this. this. My boy Link, who plays a lot of, like, quote, I don't know, like, annoying roles, like, necessary roles. He's playing Astra. You know what I mean? Um, He plays a lot of shotguns in like hookah and stuff and he plays a lot of those like positions where it's like if you rotate and you have a shotgun in your hands you're not getting a kill like you're, i don't care how good you are and if you're oh can astra dash across the field and shoot someone with a shotgun i didn't think so um so like you just don't stand a chance from those roles to get high score lines but there was one math this tournament on breeze where he played cypher and he looked like the best person there out of all 10 people it was fucking insane and i was like oh my god so, like, their support player in Link is just actually low-key insane. And if they can figure out a way, I think, to utilize him just a little bit more, I say take him off Astro, bro. Like, put him in Bone Cold scenario. Like, let him just be, like, Omen or something. Or, like, give him Brimstone or something. This guy's aim was... Oh! Dude, you should see I mean, it. Yeah. Their split maps, he played Breach for all of their split games. And I don't know. I thought he utilized the breach utility very well, just in alting like entire sites and yeah. taking control and, or like even just holding down a site as it's being rushed. Um, yeah. You know, he was very pivotal in a lot of those games. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agreed. Do you guys, okay, this is just a question. We don't have to answer it, but should we take like a five minute break? Does this feel like a break point for us before we get into the, the rest of it, the final bits? Get water or we think we go? I feel like we're 
like nearing the end because we've okay. really we've talked about everything. Okay. We've already done mm-hmm. the Gambit versus Crew, the other semifinal map. Mm-hmm. We've just mostly said like, go watch that shit. It's fucking crazy. We just talked about Incredible. Ascend versus Team Liquid. Yeah. All the guys mm-hmm. at the grand finals. Ascend versus Gambit. I do want to shout out why Crew is as amazing as they are in in my eyes. Okay. And I think at this point we can start to get into individual players as well. I think we're it's time to like go into players the and talk. Swan about. song for yeah. crew. <laughs> yeah, and if you have any players that are on like teams going out, that's fine too. Um, but yeah, so the thing about crew, I would say is they're a team after my heart with their play style because they play five man attack strategies uh and like curveballs very, very well, which is was my always my favorite counter-strike strategy where you like smash a site and then you try to figure out what they're predicting you to smash next, and then you do the opposite thing and they're just they play at a much higher level, obviously, than I do, um, because they don't always do it necessarily off the gate start. In fact, a lot of times they'll like default into it or do other strategies. But the point is that they have such a beauty in their decisiveness, whether they're rotating or whether they're hitting a site, they are doing it together with incredible spacing. And that is why it doesn't matter how good you are. They are trading your ass if you were in the site. And that is what made them so incredible is you can see it on the faces of every team they played against. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how good a position you are in. You are traded unless you're about to get a 4K or 3K, I would say. Like you either get a 3K or you get traded. And the feeling, the look on the players' faces that just got traded when they thought they could get three and they couldn't because of good spacing and good trading and good just general teamwork, it's like literal stars are crying manly tears. Like it's breaking their soul. Like operas are literally sitting there shaking like, oh my God, what the fuck just happened? Because what happened was you didn't make it out like you thought you were going to. They flustered you, like like beat you back with coordinated utility and caught you up before your way out. And uh, that is awesome. It's fuck. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's such a fun style to play. Like if you were to sit there and go, I'm never going to be the best player in the world. I've done this many a time with myself. Um, actually, I did it once and I was fully convinced. <laughs> I never <laughs> had like... to revisit that. But but the point is that why not pick this style to play? It's fun as hell um, because it's where you really feel like you are birds of a feather with your team. They have your back. They're peeking corners with you. They're trading off you. And no death becomes frustrating in a style like this because your death was part of a strategy. It was part of a system. If you die and your teammate immediately picks it up and goes, got the trade, and then moves on to get another one, you're good. You're in it. You're excited as a player because, you know, you had to do that in order for us to get into sight. But now that we're in sight, they're going to play this out. And so it feels like they reduce meaningless deaths. They try really hard not to get picked. And they try really hard to, like, play the map in such a way that forces their opponents to respect them. And the second they respect them, they just destroy sites. And it's a beautiful style. I I think there's so much to be learned from that. And I have had, I've literally spent, at this point, a year and a half talking to people that come from other games that tell me this style doesn't work. And that's all they tell me. And I argue with them till like, wee hours of the morning, which for me is 930. Um, but, (laughs) But I argue with them. For like until wee hours in the morning because they're like, no, you have to play slow. You have to play standard. You have to play meta. You have to play all these things. And man, this tournament just tore that open. No. And it's specifically, I hope all those motherfuckers saw it because they did it to Sentinels. They did it to your team, um, who I also love. But at the same time, it was, I, I fell in love with this team watching them beat my team that I was rooting for because their <laughs> style was beautiful. I mean, they did it to Gambit as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, you would just see time and again how Gambit would just try and play the slow, methodical game, at least when Gambit's on the attack half. You know, they they would try to slowly push into a site, 
slowly try to gain intel. But crew was just so in your face and worked together and peaked off each other so well that they would just leave Gambit in shambles at times. Yeah. You know, like just pick them off one by one to the point where you just have Gambit. I, I, I seem to recall in that series, there were so many times where Gambit would have to just like start rushing a site only because the clock has whittled down to like 30 seconds left before they have to plant the spike. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was just kind of like eventually Gambit had to actually play at Cruz level and be like, okay, wait, we need to start rushing, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was, it was what made that map of bind the third map that went into so many overtimes, <laughs> but that's what made that map so crazy to watch just because of how back and forth it was. And it was, it was like a dance, you know, like so many times it was like crew setting the tone, Gambit trying to do their own thing, but crew's just like, no, Gambit, you've got to dance with us. And then soon it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it, it's it's an amazing map and series for that matter to watch just for that, because you can just see the moments where Gambit's just like, shit, we actually got to kind of step up our game a little bit. We don't know what to do here. Um it's crazy. Yeah, and and the thing is, I think it's very much matchup dependent in, in in for points that we've made already. And I think they like come together in this beautiful swan song or just maybe just song in general. It's that when Gambit starts slow, Crew eats that momentum like a motherfucker and starts rolling and you're like, "Oh no." And so then it's like this beautiful start to the game where Gambit's like adjusting and then they're giantly on the back put, foot, which they are some of the best in the whole world at being on the back foot. Mm -hmm. If you thought a hundred these was going to be good at the back on the back foot, they're okay, but they weren't good enough to get here. <laughs> <laughs> these guys are just they just power up with their backs against the wall. Um, as Boaster calls it, squeaky bum time. Um, but yeah, they also said that on the desk too, and I was like, we're really reverent. That's the one we're bringing to the desk of all of the things that the players say. But all right. Um, <laughs> anyways, but the thing is, like, crew though is also incredible in the clutch as well and incredible in the pressure. And so then they don't give up when Vamp, when Gambit tries to like ramp up mm -hmm. and take over the game. And that's what just makes that back and forth just so incredible. It just, it starts with, you should not have fed this demon. This demon is coming for you. Because the thing is, Crew's style is reliant on confidence. And maybe everyone's style is reliant on confidence, but their style in particular, because of the decisiveness of their plays. It's not like they know that they're like, you know, their strategy is is solid. And if we can play it and execute it properly, we will win or we will give ourselves great chances. It's rather they believe all at the same time that they found an opening in the defense and they are about to go. So that's like a mid-round calling read game sense style that if you doubt yourself, McCoy, where do we go? Well, I think B is up. You've already lost. That's too long. You need to be moving already. And they are. And that is what makes them so, so, so incredible. And if you give them confidence, they are just going to play their style super clean. So they they came into this series clean, um, partially due to Gambit giving to them and also due to them earning it. So mm -hmm. it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Indeed. Chronicle gets an ace. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy ace at that. How the hell? But... Anyway, all right. So then 
that just leaves us then to this grand final of Ascend versus Gambit. We've got Ascend, who, other than the hiccup against Vivo Keed at the beginning of the tournament, has handedly gone 2-0 the rest of the way through. Yeah. And then we have Gambit, who is a tournament favorite, but also has shown, you know, they've dropped maps here and there against teams. They've maybe had, you know, they've definitely had more of an epic series leading up to the final than Ascend. I think we were joking that, you know, that that, uh, crew Gambit semifinal, it's like that that was the final. There's no way that anything can ever match up to that. Um, Yeah. And yet we still have this best of five between Ascend and Gambit. Which was awesome. Which, which was awesome. One, because with the addition of Fracture, both teams get a ban. Woo! <laughs> like, yeah. I yeah. thought that was such a travesty in Masters Berlin yeah. where it was just like, oh, we're going to give one team two bans, the other team one ban. And I'm like, what? <laughs> or it was something like that. Yeah. I forget. It was... Oh no, it was they they had to play five maps so one team got to have one band and they're like, "Well, Envy is the top seed, so you get to ban your map." And it's like, "This is not fair." <laughs> There's so so much bullshit that has been done over the course of, of history around that stuff, but to me this just literally felt like when I was a kid that we had a van and there was a front seat of the van and there was a back seat of the van and like people would fight over it. And that's what it felt like. It was like, well, there's only one for, you know, like there's not enough to go around. So you guys are going to have to live with it. It's just like, <laughs> nice, dude. Great, great uh, competitive format you got there. But, you know, okay. The thing is the game is developing, right? They they put another map in there quick. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Sure enough. And so we have the bans of Ascend banning Haven and Gambit giving Ascend the respect they probably deserve at this point and banning Bind because Gambit's like, fuck this shit. I swear we just it was like the first people OT. in the tournament to ban Bind against them. It was yeah. mind blowing yep. that no one exactly. else has banned it. Yeah. Because everyone was banning Fracture instead. Yeah. There was this whole narrative for some reason that Ascend had this like pocket pick of Fracture. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I, or, st- or I still think they did. Spoilers. Yeah, they didn't in this. In, in they did not. They did not against Gambit. But again, Gambit is such a good team at reading maps. Like, yeah, fair, fair, super fair. <laughs> but but yeah, yeah. Fracture was a really bizarre thing because traditionally another thing that generally just teams, but also NA in particular, NA the solo queue region, but even the the pros do not like new things like you're in the wrong fucking game gentlemen but like it's just like have you heard of riot before like <laughs> sorry okay <laughs> like it just when you if you followed league you're like they're gonna change something all the time you need to be adaptive that's just the way it is whether you like it or not you can talk about it but like when, when, when people are still to this day dodging breeze <laughs> <laughs> like a oh boy come oh, on honey. <laughs> you can't be serious like that's so it's it's just generally not a good strategy to have a permaban if you can possibly avoid it. Now there's all sorts of high level strategy around map picks and map strengths. Uh, and, and we don't have to get into that, but the general idea is that, you know, you'd think it'd be nice to be able to uh, attack a strength of your opponent, especially when you face certain teams that have what appears to just be an unbreakable streak on the map. You think to yourself like, well, 
can we really beat them on that? So we'll ban that because the rest of our map pool is even enough that we stand a chance to to match up as players. But if you come in with a perma ban, it's not that you can't win with it. It just means you have no flexibility around whether or not you're targeting your opponent for anything. And so fucking get with the program, guys. Practice this shit. Like, I don't know. Like, what do you want from me? Like, <laughs> I think Breeze is a fucking awesome map. I think Fracture might be awesome too. It's crazy. But like, but also it's here. You you cannot like it, but it is here. Like, it's the same shit in my matchmaking games. Like, I'm learning lineups for that shit too. Why? Because it's fucking here, and I don't get to choose whether I played it or not, and neither do they. So, I don't know. You see a real weakness here at this tournament, but I also don't blame people for having blind spots on Factor because I do think that map is going to take six months to a year to, for the meta to actually land on it, and it will constantly yeah. change as new characters come out. So, yeah. Right. It's a crazy map. So yeah, we so then yes, we did get our maps of Breeze, Ascent, Fracture, Icebox, and Split, and it went to the full five game series, which is awesome for a final. Because if it was a three zero blowout, that would have been very sad. I would have loved it. Um, <laughs> I mean, does get like a sadistic pleasure in watching teams get blown out. Mm -hmm. The only way I wouldn't have liked it is if Gambit got blown out because they were tired from the series before. Then I'd right. feel robbed mm -hmm. of the final. Yeah exactly mm -hmm. like that i think that was a lot of people's worries going into this but also probably another reason why gambit banned bind they're just like fuck this we played like yeah <laughs> we played 36 rounds <laughs> on bind just last night alone they have got so much on us <laughs> yeah um and so yeah i guess do we want to go through it map by map or do we just want to kind of talk highlights a little bit because Breeze, I think, went the typical way that Breeze does, which is it's just very sided. You know, you have your runs on the CT side for Ascend, and then Gambit has their run on the CT side. It's just that Gambit clutched one more round on the T side than Ascend did. Yeah. Um, but the kill differential but, is also really different here. You see that? Like, mm -hmm, exactly. If, if you look at the plus minuses, which is, I think, a nice way to look at it, it's like everyone on Ascend is in the red here. And there's some giant green numbers on Gamut, specifically Nats, who was, I don't want to say choking this tournament, but because, again, I'm the biggest Nats apologer. He's playing the hardest roles in the game to kill anyone on. And that's why mm -hmm. he's an impressive player. It's not because he's top of the scoreboard, which when he is, that is impressive. It's true. It's actually his strength is just he doesn't go. I mean, look, I mean, you saw Zom's on Astra. He's like 7 and 19 or something like that. Like, that's the same role that that Nats is playing just on Viper. It's very, very similar. So that's what makes him impressive. But he showed up here. He had showed up earlier in the tournament. I, I thought he was like very missing and I was nervous for him for nerves. But he kind of went monster in this series, at least for a couple maps. He went monster on Fracture too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, that I was one gonna was say wild. the holding, at least on Breeze, between the Killjoy and Viper. So Chronicle was on Killjoy and Nats was on Viper. Um, and them holding sites was just devastating. Which then led to another concern with Ascend, which is that their five man rushes fucking suck. <laughs> they do. <laughs> <And> the oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. so true. Just it's time like, and again. It's like they all have to do a little huddle before the five man <laughs> rush where somebody is like, all right, you look there, you look there, you look there, you look there. You know what we're doing? All right, let's go. 
and and then they all just run in and die. Yeah, they except one, they at a time, one at a time. Right. Yeah, yeah they... <laughs> agree. Yeah. But the first guy is like, "Got it, got it." Before the instructions are actually set out, and he just runs out there, dashes into smoke, and dies. And you're like, "Okay." And then the second guy is like, "Well, if he's out there, I gotta trade him." And then he goes out and dies. And then three people are in main, yeah. like, "Oh fuck, what are we?" And then they just take thirty more seconds and then go out and die. <laughs> Yeah, it's really sad. It was rough. You can't do this, man. Um, right, so these the, the scoreline for Nats and Chronicle, at least for Breeze, are very high because those two would just farm all of Ascend yeah. as they come in one by one. It's really true. And Ascend came out with a giant lead on defense here and then basically just couldn't do anything on mm -hmm. attack. It was embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And and these games are cited, and it happens, and it's not like Gambit got a lot more on attack either, but it was just like, yeah, we watched a lot of them getting farmed, and this was not the only map that we watched them getting farmed walking out of a main area. <laughs> Moving on to Ascent. Ascent yeah. was another one that was very, yep. very concerning. I mean, granted, Ascent did get a lot on the T side in general, but it was less to do with their rushes, more to do with picks. Yeah. Um, and map rotations exactly rotations and picks were their like main bread and butter but then you would see them just try and attempt to be rush and i'm just like good try let's not do that again though please <laughs> you're like fist bumping the screen like trying to send them morale because you know they're just shook after what just happened because like the thing is humans can lie to themselves only to a certain extent and then at some point they all saw what just happened too it's not like they're blind they know they just fucked that up really bad and it wasn't just like, oh, it's unlucky, man. They were like, no, no. It, they're smart enough to know that was bad. <laughs> and so that'll tell the team because you could see it. Um, but actually, Ascent, it's interesting. They have played a really, really good T side on this map. And you could say it's because Gambit started slow and who knows. But I was really impressed, even with all the throwing that they did, that they actually managed to get a lot of rounds on the T side. And because of the sidedness of Ascent uh, as a map compared to Breeze, this felt like a comfortable victory for Ascent in my book. Like, this was like, dude, you got, like, more than enough. I also think this um, was one of the ones where, like, Gambit's super slow start really bit them. Because they started really slow, right? By the half, Ascent was, or Ascend was way up. And then Ascend won the pistol and, like, pretty much closed it from there. Mm -hmm. Right, and yeah. Gambit's like, like, fuck, this isn't in our book. We're yeah, supposed to win it was kind of like Gambit yeah. just like never really even started to play this map. Like they yeah. essentially like never really woke up. And I think this is like where the Gambit style is danger. I think Ascent might be stylistically, it probably is their worst map, or at least it's their worst map here. Um, just because like the way the fights are in Ascent, it's a very, uh, people call it like old school Counter-Strike-y, the map design. And yes, it is like some of them, although there's very diverse maps in Counter-Strike. But basically it's like, it's not tight corridors in the mid, um, but there are choke points and there are like distinctive sites and there are like B-Rush concepts and there are like rotates. And it, it feels like the proximity you have to players and the ability you have to burst on them just means like, I really do feel like Gambit just doesn't get I don't exactly know like what is exactly but whatever it is that they need to become excellent whatever like maybe it's ground to cover intel before they can get the, their smart rotation or whatever it is that makes them tick it's just not as present on this map like if they started slow sure but I I would be surprised if you played a scent I bet you Gambit would lose a scent to like half the teams of this tournament 
it's it's just one of those maps that I think if you're like an aggressive team and you understand this map, I think you should pick it against bigger teams because I, I think you'll just break these teamwork teams because it's just like, it's really hard to play like that. People are often very isolated from each other um, on the, I would say on the defense. And then like, if you play good defense, like you just farm people. So I don't know, it's it's interesting in that way. Um, yeah, but- it was it was especially interesting, I think, in in terms of this series as well, but it was, it was also just like very individually outmatched as well. Like there was just a lot of times where Defo would die mid because CNED would op him. Like both mm-hmm. jets are mid and it's just like jet diff at that point. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Gambit definitely looked uncomfortable. I'd have to see like if that was part of their bands for their best of threes or what their record was. If those were like the maps that they dropped um in their previous games leading up to this but yeah i mean like their slow methodical method definitely bit them here Mm -hmm. but they brought it back with fracture though yeah (laughs) yeah we have to (laughs) fracture was a beautiful map Mm -hmm. now it's like it's a fine wine it's something that you have to develop a taste for but it's dominance (laughs) it's destruction Mm -hmm. it is it is cleanliness it is beauty it is elegance it is all these terms because what it is is one team being better than the other and that is just it (laughs) like yes it's true that they're better on the map in particular maybe they pick better characters they played them better but they won everything every round every clutch it felt like ascend had nothing ascend had only one purpose like like the conversations around this game were should ascend forfeit now is that even legal in the <laughs> rules like like this is yeah. the discussion yeah and i mean they it felt like they were doing that like a little bit like they were still trying obviously but i don't know i don't i don't think i think they were like already onto the next map mm-hmm. in right. their mind yeah which is mentally probably good the right and call. the reason why they could bounce back it's because the right if call. they had dwelled on this it would have been bad. It's um, it's a tap yeah. out. It's a forfeit. You got me. And they did. Gambit got they, them. They were in the yeah. chat asking Nats for his sends. Yeah, yeah and his res. <laughs> yeah. That's point four nine. Funny. See, that's sportsmanship, bro. Point four nine. And he Sorry, has you haven't even memorized. Is it like a tattoo? I've tried it. It's very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very fast. It makes sense. He he needs to be turning a lot in the positions that he plays. But anyways, okay. Um. But yeah, I mean, Nats in particular had a very breakout role in Fracture. Like, it was said on the analyst desk, but just it just seemed like everywhere that Ascend tried to go, Nats was just always flanking for some reason. Like, yeah. sometimes yeah. it would just seem like Ascend is in front of him, but then the camera would go back to him and he's behind them. And it's like, how? <laughs> what did he do? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And he's uh, playing Cypher. So he was freed from the viper role which a lot of people thought was necessary on this map because it's just like a bunch of the walls you could throw down make a lot of sense um but with him being freed from the duties of like caring about the entire map and the entire all of these abilities and like things for his team and staying alive so utilities alive he just walked on people (laughs) and fucked them up and uh shout to alex for that also but 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 now again Right, like we're mentioning here and there stats when they're impressive. Do you think the scoreline of 26 kills, three deaths is impressive? I do. <laughs> yeah, insane. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. insane performance from him. And definitely a GG go next for Ascend. Like, yeah. 
I, I remember like halfway through that game, I was like, wait, Nats hasn't died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, I remember you saying that and we were all like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and I, I do want to very quickly say that like a game like this, um, that you win, it is important to understand that every scoreline on, uh, Gambit is a valuable scoreline, every single one, including uh, Shados, who goes 10 and 10 and 3. Because the point is, you did what it took to win the map, and you did what it took to win the map very cleanly. But, like, obviously, Nats' scoreline is literally incredible. But then also, like, Chronicles 17 and 4, which, like, in literally every other game of the tournament, that's a superstar performance, but Nats is just here in this game, I guess. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> And of course they're working together. But like even like look at Redgar, IGL, 10, 4, and 9. That's a fucking killer support score line. That is ooh. Mm-hmm. That is good, bro. Um, and so you just look at this and I think everyone played insanely well. And they played off of each other and they just had enough of teamwork over where Ascen didn't have it. And they just Well, I don't think Ascend knew it was happening. <laughs> I think we can go to the next map. Like I don't okay. I don't think Ascend okay. knew yeah. it was I don't yeah. Yeah. It was a bad yeah. map for them. They didn't know how to Turns play out, the Fracture map. was not their pocket pick. Yeah. <laughs> they did yeah. not breath. And yep. every team that banded against them were kicking themselves, as we stated before. Right. But mm-hmm. yeah, so then, so after that performance on Fracture, the whole question is, okay, Gambit is up 2-1 at this point. Gambit just needs to win one more. And so we have Icebox, a map that Gambit is good on, but Ascend picked for this. Mm-hmm. So... I personally really like the Icebox match a lot, only because this is the first map where it actually felt toe-to-toe in terms of they get around, we get around, they get around, we get around. Um, You know, Breeze, Ascent, and Fracture, definitely Fracture, was just very one-sided, you know, depending on the side you were on. Um, And Icebox actually just kind of felt more of a dual side, but can we talk about Viper utility on Icebox sure. and how much it fucking sucks yes. to spectate? Yes, please, can we? <laughs> it is fucking horrible. Like, I'm telling you, I play Viper. Um, and I even was a big fan of Viper when she was um, underutilized, when she was kind of like hipster. Yeah, so you're a hipster Viper? No, because I think that was the same way in League, too. Like, there's a beautif- there's a beauty to finding characters that are underutilized. For example, at this tournament, you got to see some Brimstone, and I would still say he was very underutilized. He's a, he's insanely good as a character. He's just never picked. Um, and there are plenty of reasons for that, and we don't have to go into it. But the point is just that the second that Viper was coming onto the scene, it came from EU, or at least I was watching EU at the time, and Viper came on there, and it was just not getting played in NA, and so, and I assume the rest of the world? I have no idea, really. But Riot decided that she was underpowered and buffed her. <laughs> and this was, like, the most tone-deaf balance change I've, I've ever seen, maybe. Maybe. At least in me- recent memory. This is, like, really bad. And Counter-Strike has had some really bad ones. <laughs> really, really bad ones. But this was just, like, do you, are you not seeing her be mandatory on, like, four maps in EU right now? Like, this meta's coming. Like... But but no, they made it so like she like just fucks people up and you touch her walls and all sorts of shit. But the thing is, what happened when they did that, even though they tuned her down a little bit, which is still really strong, incredibly strong, um, is they just made you see. Because the meta at that time when Viper was not that picked was one person out of ten, maybe, sometimes, would be Viper. And you'd be like, whoa, 
that's really interesting. They can get a lot of ground off that. That's a really cool strategy, but you would very rarely see two Vipers until it got popular in, NA, or in EU. And the second that happened, you were like, oh, this is not reasonable. Like, th- no one can see anything mm-hmm. on the whole fucking map. Yeah, it's some nightmare shit. And, and we recognize this first as observers. We were probably the first people to notice this, um, the fans, because we couldn't see what was happening in the game. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we're lost. We have bird's eye view. We have x-ray. We can see through the walls. And we don't know what's happening. And if that's the and case. And, like, literally every round that Viper ulted, you were like, well, it's a 50-50. <laughs> and it was. And it was. Exactly. And it was. Yeah. And that probably explains why these rounds were so back and forth was because probably every four <laughs> rounds or so there was a shit ton of Viper utility on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, two Viper's pits go down. You're just like, well, I guess we'll see who comes out. Okay, well, Gamma got this one. Oh, here we go. And oh, SF got that one that time. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it was really funny. We were watching this game with a really sleep-deprived uh, friend of ours. Another Alex, a different one. Not the one that I talked to earlier. Uh, and we were we were talking about, we were complaining about the Viper you tell. Like, this is just 50-50 bullshits. They're just walking through walls. And they either get shot in the back or they shoot someone in the back. Like, the end. Um, sometimes they shoot each other in the face. Like, sometimes. Like, but mostly not. And he was like, oh, my God. And I felt like in that moment, it was just clear to all of us. Like, this is a travesty. Like, mm-hmm. like this is because I understand. Okay, I personally and James and I definitely disagree on this because I feel like James, you're one of the biggest proponents for randomness in games, and you make so many good points about it. I would like less of it in my games. That's just my personal preference. But this, to me, felt like regardless of our disagreements, this felt like so much randomness that I could not imagine this was good for anything. Oh, I mean. Yeah, I'm a proponent for randomness in games, but like it's it's a it's a it's a scale, and like you go too too far into garbage town, and this pops out, you know, like yeah. I mean, and this is like not even randomness compared to other games, but yeah, I mean that's like a whole nother topic of conversation. But I just I just wanted to mention yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, and and um, the other thing is that obviously thinking of from Counter Strike's perspective, there's less rounds in this game, so losing yeah. to a cheesy round is actually much stronger in this game. You'll notice this actually if we go, uh, if we in our minds we don't have to like on the screen or anything, but if we go back to Breeze, Seed had fucking ops someone threw a smoke on Breeze and Gambit just loses the game or something like it just <laughs> almost <laughs> they end up coming back and winning, but like the point is like the momentum gained from that kill alone, that free pick was like half defining. It gave him like three rounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. that's what we're dealing with with the shorter score line. So if you add more randomness, it's just like, what's happening? Yeah, so you have the opping through the smoke, but then you also have shooting through a smoke <laughs> and shooting through a viper's pit and, yeah. and everything, everything to go with that. Plus, you know, this this round, Shados and Zeke, both on Reyna's this time. So there's another blind to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was chaos. It was absolute chaos. And it went into overtime, but Ascend managed to pull out, you know, 14 to 12. So we go on to the final map, Split. Okay. Map 5. 
And I think just the one thing that I saw multiple reactions to after this map was, oh my god, Omen is not meta. Please don't play Omen anymore. Like, I don't want this in my solo queue games. Because Bone Cold brings out the Omen mm-hmm. for Split. Yeah. And the interviews were so hilarious with him. They're like, why would you play a character that no one else plays that just two tournaments ago was a must pick before Astra came in here? What happened? And he's just like, oh, I don't know. I like the character. I feel like I'm good on the character. Like, he's like literally talking like, I feel like my team's identity makes more sense. My identity makes more sense with this character. And he's like, also, I can attack with my team. And they're like, interesting. And it's like, I'm getting horror flashbacks of all these Astros just sitting, trying to like manage all their stars as their teams just get farmed and shit. And he's just like, oh, I'm actually with them and killing people. And he's so good. He's shot his And so I clean. can toss a blind. Mm-hmm. Look at that. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. He played an awesome uh, omen. And he's like, he's like, yeah, my, my duelists like to go in really hard. Like Seeks, for instance, on uh, uh, Rays and he's jumping in. So I can teleport in. And I'm just in my head, all I can hear is just like, can Astro do that? It's just like every time he says something, can Ash do that? He's like, oh, look, I can flash right here. Can Ash do that? I can fight with my team. Can Ash do that? And it's just like beautiful. It's beautiful. And this composition right here, I think, really is like these guys have an identity for who they are and how they want to play this map that works for them. Like Starzo's on Sage for some reason, but all right. And we've seen some questionable strategic walls from Starzo and some incredible <laughs> aggressive walls from Starzo, including fucking overtime wall here where he pushes down mid as defense and fucks people up over a crate like you've never seen, um, which was awesome. But like, Killers is on Cypher, which he's always been a great quiet Cypher in the background. Always, always, forever. And he showed up great. Um, on this map and it's just like they're just unapologetically playing the characters that make sense to them whereas everyone else is like trying to innovate on split like they're like do we put astro viper is killjoy necessary like sky seems necessary which is like it's it reminds me of which is basically what um gambit did here and what sentinels did for example very similar um they did like the viper astra uh like jet i think they did sky also but anyways the point is just that like this felt so, quote, old meta. Like, you look at this and, like, is this a beta composition? Like, who are these people, right? But it was awesome. <laughs> they fucked people up and it wasn't even close. And it just shows you, like, I think just all the analysis and all the fucking words and all the memes and all the fucking meta and all the just talk that's happened around this game and what's good in this game is fucking bullshit. Like, look at these guys. <laughs> They are just playing characters that make sense for them in ways that make sense and just stomping people while everyone else is like having these discussions like, well, I just I just don't think you can play the map without this character. It's like, fucking look at these guys, dude. What do do you want from them? And I think they showed that a lot and so did Team Liquid. And it gives me a great deal of respect for them. And honestly, Riot should give them bonuses because this more than anything inspires me to go play solo queue because I'm like, wait, I don't have to play characters that I hate anymore. This is awesome. And I've stopped doing that. And honestly, I still win because it's just like, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same wisdom you get from those dumb motherfuckers in solo queue that have one thing to say. And they say it in champion select and they just go, look, I don't give a fuck, man. Play what you're good at. And you're like, and all they're saying is like, if you just not feed, we're going to win or lose. And I don't really give a fuck. But like, actually that strategy was employed on the world stage here. Just play what you're good at. And it was fucking brilliant. For real, man. Agreed. And I feel like this is what we were talking about right at the beginning. Is like play your game, don't mm-hmm. play the meta. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or don't, I mean, and it's better if the meta is your game, obviously, but. Well, play, play like, what makes sense for your team. You know, yeah, Ascend exactly, is yeah. Ascend is a team that likes to have a lot of, you know, they go in pairs everywhere. Yeah. They're not necessarily, you know, people who, like, they, they sometimes can do, you know, 1v1 duels or 2v1 and maybe eke it out. But, like, I think their strength is when they go together in these little pairs that they do. You know, Zeke and Bone Cold on Split were constantly together. But Bone Cold was also helping out mid with C Ned and Starzo because he could teleport because he's fucking Omen. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And so it really worked out so well. And, you know, Killez is, I, I think, I like Killez so much better on a Cypher than a Viper. Same reason, actually, why I like Naps better on a Cypher than a Viper. It's just less utility, like less complex utility to work with. Yeah. Give yourself a camera and a tripwire, and boom, you're set. Because Killers was holding down those sites alone so well. You know, he would be able to get the intel. Maybe he would get rushed, but he would at least get one or two kills out of it before he would go down. But that's like all Ascend needs to clean it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I really love their split because of that. And I'm surprised that they didn't pick split more. But obviously, they were given bind a lot this tournament, so yeah. I could understand why they had the bind over split. But this should honestly be like a strong second map for them. I totally agree. And I think people have been so lost on this map for so long, specifically Sentinels, but other people as well. And they, once again, just have such a good map understanding and such a good understanding of teamwork and such a good understanding of who they are. Their only issue, really, it seems like, and obviously you've only seen a little bit, but like their issues appears to be mentality, and they appear to have made a large statement that they have a much stronger mm-hmm. mental now. And if that's the case, mm-hmm. we'll see. They were given a regional matchup. I mean, everyone would feel good stomping on Team Liquid after how good they looked, but still, but still, if that is be- going to become a solid part of their team, even if it doesn't show up at every tournament, but if it shows up at some, this team is incredible. Mm-hmm. Just incredible. And, and, mm-hmm. and in all the right ways, too. I think mm-hmm. like beautiful to watch. So fun. Great teamwork. Great players. Um, mm-hmm. I was so nervous for them after they lost Cold Demented because I didn't know them very well. And I was curious what role he had. And they allegedly he was the IGL and an IGL of a team that has this good, interesting map uh, strategies. I was like, if he is the reason why they're so unique in their style and they lose their style, then they could fall into the you know, the wilderness like everyone else. But they have maintained their style. It took them a couple tournaments to get there. They had to, like, bounce and change some things, and maybe that was coach-related, maybe that was bone cold related switching to IGL, whatever it was. But they've got their identity back, and it's here. And it's fucking, mm-hmm. it's joyous. It's joyous. I want to shout out Zeke specifically. He was my MVP <laughs> of the tournament. I was calling this a lot uh, throughout the tournament. People thought I was memeing. I kind of was. But at the same time... Fortnite pro. <laughs> yeah, McCoy was. So, were you so sad? Were you devastated no. when you found out he was a Fortnite no. pro? No. I've had this happen a bunch, a bunch of times. I like to befriend players that I then play with on the ladder sometimes. And a lot of them, I ask what their previous game was. Um, because they all have a story. Some of it's very short, though. Because some of them are very new. But they all have a story. Now, some of them came from console. Like, oh, I played Call of Duty on console. And now this is my first FPS. But there's a lot of people that say, you know came from like one other game like you know you'll see people from league you'll see people a lot from apex legends mm-hmm. and of course you'll see a lot of people from fortnite and the people from fortnite are typically very embarrassed to mention that they come from fortnite and i have to get it out of them they'll be like oh yeah i played a couple of games like what They're like well uh and they always hesitate 
Fortnite? And they do that because Fortnite gets just totally shat on for a bunch of reasons, and some of it's very reasonable, and some of the community out of it is just absolutely hard to swallow. Um, <laughs> and, like, people are just, like, dancing and flossing, and things are happening, right? But I am not stupid enough to not... Or I guess I am... Wait. I'm... Well, am I? <laughs> but anyways... Um, <laughs> But I just understand that the that kids that, that become gaming stars and people who love gaming uh, and even just humans in general came from these uh, country-level phenomenons. For instance, I came from the country-level phenomenon of Halo 3. That's what I did. We, we had a podcast on that. It was fucking baller, and I talked about that. I came from that. And so it's true. I'm not ashamed of it today, but what if I was, right? What if Halo 3 was Fortnite? Well, then I just understand that that was my entryway, similar to StarCraft and similar to League. I came from these places and they have positive and negative things about them. And so I know that the new gener there is a generation that's coming up on Fortnite and they are just like the rest of us. They just, Fortnite was popular and their friends got it into them uh, and they, you know, said, hey, play it on this iPad. You can, it's totally awesome. They didn't even need a PC. Maybe they're on their phone or something. And in whatever entryway you had, to discover that you love competitive video games uh, and playing them and you love the strategy behind them and learning and growing, it doesn't matter. It, it's about the fire that it lights in you. So I have no problem with Fortnite players. I in fact welcome them, but I hope that they will take tutelage from Counter-Strike veterans because they can teach them a lot about things that aren't being taught in Fortnite, like teamwork, like uh, how, even just like land mentality and all sorts of stuff like that, um, but also just what it is to be a professional, like what it is to be away from your home, like what it is to 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 be a burgeoning esports star when you're young. There's so many pitfalls, so many, my God. And so learn from people, um, let alone also strategy would help too. Um, but yeah, so no, I fucking love it. And the thing with Zeke that I'll say for people out there, watch the way he plays angles. Trust me, you're listening. You're not a pro, are you? I didn't think so. You're not very good, are you? I didn't think hey, so. Hey, what's up, Zeke? We know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, exactly. up, <laughs> no, but the point is, he, yeah, yeah, it's true. It is, it is almost, it is kind of coming to that point, but it's in a nicer way and flipping it, which is just that he plays angles in a way that you too can. He does not choose to just take uh, the 50-50 fights that you have to outskill your opponents on unless he's trying to take that fight. He much more often surprises his opponents or holds off angles where he surprises his opponents so well and so in other words he's not playing the quote fair fight he's rather playing the fight in his advantage and that's just good gameplay that's just smart that's also a style by the way where you can slay the biggest demons in the world because as elena has said to me so much as we've been doing our vandal headshot practice she's like you know it doesn't matter how good they are if you headshot them true <laughs> <laughs> and if they let you because they didn't see you or they didn't check that corner and you headshot them, you just dropped the best player in the world. And it was in one click. And so that's a very, very good move for your team. Mm -hmm. uh, and Zeke played like that. And so it's a very stealable style. So there is a ton of people, some of them probably from Fortnite, um, but also just other younger gamers that are around and they're literally sitting here and they're following people like tens. They're thinking, how can I be the best gamer in the world? And the sad reality is that you should assess whether you can be that or not and maybe you can and if you enjoy the playstyle, go for it but if you have that nagging voice in the back of your head that you can't do that and you're wondering god i wish i could figure out a play style 
that was successful for me that doesn't involve being the best aimer in all of the world, in the fucking millions of billions of people playing this video game, you should follow a smart player. And Zeke is a smart player in the way that he uh, approaches his angles. So he can give you a style that you can actually follow and do. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So shout out to that. Uh, and it was dominant at this tournament. It was dominant. He, I mean, I think he ended up getting shouted out at least in the MVP conversation, if not getting the MVP for some of the people on the desk. Yep. Mm -hmm. I yep. believe he got, he got MVP for this. Um, and deservedly so. I honestly, I, I think I would echo your sentiment, sentiments in that I would consider him to be the series MVP. Um, that being said, I just also wanted to shout out Bone Cold. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not not the flashiest player in terms of his KDA scoreline. Um, however, I did feel like after, like he never really was truly the same after Masters won. Um, that they won versus heretics like i just never felt like he was back to just bone cold um and this tournament i felt like he was kind of coming back into his own and it was just very beautiful to see he is like the new t like he's the igl for the team now and i'm glad to see that he's like adjusted into that role yeah he may never come back to the form that he was there because if you saddle igl responsibilities on someone it it puts a weight on your scoreline and on your performance. But for him to come out this solid and do that for a team that looked like they had good IGLing is it's incredible. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. James, do you have a shout out MVP? Oh, I mean, you know, I thought Zeke was great. I thought Bone Cold was great. I thought, I mean, I thought they were all excellent. C Ned, um, Starkso, and the Kilo's. last one Kilo's. <laughs> yeah, Kilo's. yeah. <laughs> the guy who was crying being like in your at least your narrative um i'm not good enough but i can't believe i won um <laughs> yeah 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 that's i mean that's completely how i read that like he has low self-esteem because he was bullied by twitter <laughs> and he's just like crying in relief that they won mm -hmm. yeah he's, he's that guy he stayed alive in some rounds sight anchoring in a way that I, I thought was yeah, literally it's like, incredible, incredible, absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah. Elena, yeah. do you have a shout out? Scream, baby! <laughs> <laughs> I know we didn't play in the final, but like, I mean, to be honest, like no, these are all great players. I but none of them speak to my soul the way that Scream does. Mm -hmm. So those headshots are crispy. They're so, and I think like mm -hmm. Scream was like he was good. Yes. He was here. I think he's like super, you know, he's old, he's IGLing, he's like the old like Jedi master for that whole team. Um, and I know he got outshined by like the new shiny talent in a lot of ways, but the man can really still rock a headshot and you got to give it to him. Yeah. And like he, he may, they may have lost again. They lost a regional matchup. I think please like out of all the teams, there's so many teams that, it's just so funny because, like, seriously, Counter-Strike is in such a dumpster fire place right now where all these teams need roster moves and they all look awful. And this is something that's happened throughout history where there is always someone who's going to win the tournament. It's not like you could say no one was good enough to win, so therefore no one gets the trophy. No, someone gets a trophy every time. So in theory, the level can be really low and it can be really high. And these are just things that happen. But I think in this tournament, from my read of it, 
the level was really high. And that is really awesome to see. It's the highest I've ever seen. We saw amazing teams. The top four was stacked. It was awesome. And so there's so many people that I hope don't change rosters at all and just come back and run it again because they're, we're going to see great games if that's the case. Like, there are so many great games of Valentry played out of these teams the way they are. It's amazing. Um, Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Raphael, do you have a shout-out? Um, so, I mean, I obviously echo Zeke. I think I was shouting him out as well. I didn't hear McCoy championing him. I guess we weren't talking about it. Uh, but I remember discussing with Zoe, like, uh, coming up to playoffs anyway i was like i think ascend is looking pretty good i guess i actually missed their very first match in the group stage so i completely missed all of the drama there and the fact that they originally lost that match so everything i had seen from them was looking pretty good and i was like mm. i think they're gonna win and zeke is looking pretty amazing that's awesome um, yeah i guess also like leaf particularly on his sky hmm uh, was really crazy. Uh, he did a lot of uh, plays where he was really leveraging the flash in interesting ways. Like, I think most of the time at the pro level, the flash is really just used as a flash or for intel. Uh, and he was a lot of the time using it also as a distraction. Hmm. Uh, the like bird itself to peek mm -hmm. off of, just the threat mm -hmm. of it being used to flash. Uh, mm -hmm. and that was really cool. Yeah. I like I, that kind of play. Yeah. I wanted, to, I wanted to super echo that because a lot of people, they're so obsessed. You've seen this drop out with like, with flying the flash in such a perfect way that they mm -hmm. end up doing the Astra thing where they're just not even useful to their team at all. Cause they don't have their gun out. Whereas here it felt like he was just like, he almost never controlled that thing unless it was absolutely necessary. He was whipping his gun out as soon as possible cause he would kill three people. So that seems better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to see a fun little stat here that's jumping off the page for me? Look at the headshot percentages for all the players. And then look at their all. So it's like 26, 25, 23, 24, 29, 19, 18, 20, 21. And then there's just bone cold at 37. If that doesn't tell <laughs> oh, you anything yeah. about that dude's style, it's yeah. vandal headshots, baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. So should we do a little bit of shouting out for Gambit players? Because I thought they played fucking awesome. Like, I had never No one's saying Gambit real. is bad here. No, 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 no. I just, dude, Defo and Chronicle impressed the shit out of me, dude. Chronicle oh was wild God. this tournament. Yeah, 100%. But I think in particular I want to shout out Chronicle only because Chronicle started out the tournament actually being the weakest link for all of Gambit. Like, uh, I think the first series that Gambit had played versus uh team secret like i believe it was the match that they lost but like chronicle was really not doing all that well like he wasn't hitting like the shots that he normally does but to have him kind of come back from a slow start and just have the crispiest headshots as well like rivaling i would say like rivaling scream in some instances not always but like there were just some times where it would just be like snap, bam, snap, bam, snap, bam. And like he got an ace doing that exact same thing with like just the aim that he has. It was absolutely insane to watch. And like he was a little bit understated in Ber in Masters Berlin a bit because that was all like the defo and Nat show. 
Hmm. And I'm just kind of glad that he was able to kind of come into his own and also prove like, hey guys, I'm on this team too. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like they are shaking off their 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 jitters for LAN and just pressure tournaments in general Mm -hmm. because it's like they're just going deep every fucking time. Yeah. Like they might just win everything. Like everything yeah. next year. Yeah, I completely mm-hmm. agree. I think they have every every right to do that. Um, I think Ascend did not need to get as supercharged momentum wise as they did. However, they did though. Mm-hmm. So and they get to keep this in their soul. So that might mm-hmm. loosen them up for the rest of their playing careers. Just knowing they can actually win a tournament. Um, and, like and because keep in mind, it's the same reason why motherfuckers look at me and they're just like, yeah, but are you diamond this season? And I'm like, no, I don't give a fuck about this season. Like, well, they changed the you know the matchmaking algorithm so you know diamond last season or like a bunch of seasons ago really isn't even that impressive that's probably like gold or something and i'm like oh fuck off no it's not then i get to diamond show them that they shut the fuck up but it's like i keep meeting new people and this keep happening to me but this is what happens to ascend when they win that tournament really early on and then can't get anything else for a while everyone's mm-hmm. like was it really a win were you really that good and they start forgetting how really truly incredible they were at that time mm-hmm. um and so this was a huge proving moment for them, being like, wait, we actually are incredible. <laughs> Sick. Okay, cool. We thought that was true, but we weren't sure. Um, but but I think I think same same for Gambit. I think they're just on like a different journey with that. Because to me, the mechanics, the precision of Defo and Chronicle on the different roles, the op and rifle, they are both some of the most precise mechanical players I've ever seen. Like Scream has a tap style, but he, look at the look at the amount of times that he hits the first bullet. That's what I would say is the difference between those types of players. He misses the first bullet a lot because it's incredibly hard to hit, but he responds by controlling the recoil of the gun in a really impressive way that keeps him in the fight. And he's allowed to be moving and allowed to be swinging and he's allowed to be bursting accurate bursts and catch up to someone instead of dirty spraying and just choking. And that aim style really fits this game. However, Defo and Chronicle are first bullet lander players. That is different <laughs> like that's why chronicle gets that ace is because he just doesn't miss the first five fights he takes and that's just five players so i guess that's just the end of it so watch their crosshair placement and watch the way they control their guns because it really is that first bullet that they are landing and when you do that it just god it looks amazing i mean it just it's beautiful it's elegant it's everything you could ever want um out of a player like a mechanical player and you can all of a sudden understand why Gambit is just such a powerhouse. It's like, oh, those guys are on this team too, and they're doing that with that level of precision and accuracy and reaction time. It's just, it's a force. It's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It kind of honestly reminds me of tens. It's like they they fight at the same speed that tens does, but they just do it with a mechanical precision where he does it with a craziness and uh, almost a trickster style. And so, watching it clean out of Gambit is terrifying <laughs> terrifying <laughs> yeah wow did we just dude this was a fucking awesome episode i really hope it didn't fail when my computer broke out <laughs> 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 won't Shit. that be unfortunate uh, uh, but we did it we fucking did it we did it super fun should we rate this bad boy and get out of here yeah wait are we rating it <laughs> how do we, we- rate Gold star, baby. We watch. Gold star, baby. I don't think we should rate I said that as a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just give gold stars all around. 
great tournament. What if this wins our game of the year? Is that fair? Triple gold star because uh, yeah, I was gonna say triple gold gold star because Ascend won. Mm -hmm. Although I will say, going into this, I was also like, I just want everyone to have a good time. Um, But still, wearing your Gambit shirt with (laughs) an Ascend, a, a a piece of paper that you wrote and ascend on and taped it underneath the gambit symbol i'll post it on the instagram this week good, good, <laughs> yes. sick, good. sick yeah it's interesting that that merch doesn't exist that like like the, they need to do like what is it fusion dance versions of orcs like yeah, exactly. honestly this is fucking brilliant merch idea i would so buy like gambit ascend what about, like, t-shirt a reversible one so you can like be rooting for Gambit, and then if they start losing, just like pop it off and do the other. Just like, direction. Oh, just like shit. take your shirt off. That's yep. hilarious. Well, yeah. like a oh, I'm thinking about like that Homer Simpson meme where it shows him going into the bush and then coming out of the bush. So it'd be like a going in the bush, <laughs> then Gambit coming out. Yeah, but then Gambit going back in. I love that. This is a great merch idea. Honestly, I think the uh, the uh, yes. First of all, that's fucking amazing. Sounds like something G two would make. G2 should make this. Mm-hmm. G2, and I think we've gotten to the point of like collabs and stuff that, and like, and uh, it, uh, culture, what do I say? Like, influencer culture. That like, these motherfuckers could do collabs 100%. Like, they would do this, they'd make a bunch of money, yeah. it'd be awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the real thing is that, at least for me, and probably for all of us here to some degree, I think we were rooting for high level Valorant. Potentially competitive Valorant. Yeah. I also love stomps, but I also love competitive Valorant. But it's just, we were looking for good, quote, good Valorant, whatever that looks like. And we got it. And I think we've been getting it in all the tournaments so far. Now there's been so many asterisks and hiccups and that fucking bullshit and, you know, like reasons why, the, the caveats and, and all sorts of shit. But at the end of the day, fucking great games coming out of this game so far. Mm-hmm. And that's just awesome. Future's looking bright. Yeah. You can hear about it here yeah. on the Tyranny of Them. If we ever do this again. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Bum, ba-dum, ba-dum. All right, all right, let's get the fuck yeah, out of here. Let's get the fuck out of here. All right. All right, so we left. But actually, though, one last thing I wanted to come back in and jump in and say, and keep in mind, this is the day after. I'm exhausted, barely caffeined. Which is true, I don't have much caffeine, but at the end of the day, I'm still very tired. Um, but I'll do my best to be coherent because I was practically uh, up all night thinking, regretting, not including one extra piece about one extra player. And that's Starzo from Ascend. Um, I mean, I, listen, you know, this was our first podcast and we could have done so many more pieces on so many more people. And I hope we do in the future. Uh, it was really a lot of fun. But I did want to shout out Starzo here because not only did he perform statistically amazing uh, in a sort of si- seemingly silent way. And also, you know, like, you know, Zoe being the resident Ascend fan, although I'm also an Ascend fan as well. Uh, you know, Starzo's probably her least favorite player on the team because of the way he acts, you know, because of his... um you know, showmanship maybe is the nice term. And like, he's a bit out there. I don't think he's like mean exactly, but he's on, he's closer to that, right? It's like, you know, sit in your chair and play the game. I've heard her say. Um, so I think, you know, we're not really the right people to notice that he had an incredible performance um, here and was a giant, giant part of a sense victory. And without, I, I think 10% less performance from him and they lose. Uh, and I think they might just lose handily I mean, if you look he had just a ton of kills all over the place he's he's always kind of been a linchpin piece for that team where like even mock back in the days when he was you know playing sky and flashing himself in trying to like spin and stuff he's just been 
this sort of energetic force uh, that either feeds or feeds on the opponent, feasts perhaps. So that is just uh, something that I wanted to call out him for. And, and more specifically, getting into what he did this tournament, uh, Ascend, if you look at them, really like have potentially like one weakness, like potentially one weakness and its mentality. And they've even talked about it in interviews saying we're working on it. And if they are, and it seems like they are, according to the tournament, then that is such a giant, giant boon to them as a team. But you got to think, like, Starzo is clearly a mentality sort of confidence player. You know, he wants to be, I don't know if he comes from Fortnite, but it feels like he's Fortnite dancing on his opponents. You know what I mean? Like, he just has a bit of that, like, come on, you know, like, I'm look at me, I'm styling sort of performance. And that is wonderful when it's working. But... If it's not working, then you would imagine his entire game could literally fall off because his game is, I need to be confident enough to just walk into your defense setup through a smoke and fuck someone up or flash through it or whatever. And if you think of Ascend in the way that they lost the tournament before this and you think of the comebacks that, that happened against them, I think it was 100 Thieves uh, on Breeze, where they just played standard defense for, it was like eight rounds in a round. They did nothing interesting. No one was going to make any plays. You know, Cena wasn't pushing to get a crazy op pick. There was just no plays made for eight rounds, and they lost. You look at this tournament, and you notice that Starzo actually had one of the most insane OT. I'm pretty sure it was series backs against the wall. It was Icebox. Um, performance where he literally did this sage wall. I know we talked about it a little bit, but he did this sage wall over mid and in overtime. And this is such a ballsy play, such a quote manly play, um, such an aggressive play, such a dominant play. And to do that with everything on the line, that to me is like a land play. And I know we talked about whether or not this is or isn't land, and you can have that discussion elsewhere. But just know that. When you're playing in an online cup, the way people talk about it is that everybody makes plays like this. Everybody does stuff like this. They do weird boosts and all sorts of things like this. And so it becomes commonplace and it feels like such an online play, play style and cheesy and people, pros will look down on it. And the reason why is because would you do that with everything on the line? No, you fucking wouldn't. You're just in your basement and you're chilling and your mom's going to deliver hot pockets or whatever the fuck, right? And you're just, and you're totally comfortable and you don't care whether you win or lose because you never had any expectations for yourself. But none of this is the case with Ascend and none of this is the case in that game and none of this is the case in that round in overtime this is as much pressure as valorant has ever experienced and as ascend has ever experienced maybe you know minus a couple of factors maybe a regional matchup or something like that but this is essentially the world's grand finals right this is the most baller time to pull out a strategy that either wins or loses your team the game because you have a feeling to trust yourself to go for it uh and i i just think that's incredible and i think you you have no idea the alternative universe that could have existed where he misses that play and they lose that series. The criticism that could have come down on his head for that. And that is the way that the world goes, right? If it doesn't work, then it was a mistake. If it works, it was genius and it was always going to work. No, it wasn't necessarily always going to work, but there was something inside of him and his confidence and in his mind that said it was going to work and he went for it and it was a calculated risk and it pulled off and it was at the highest pressure point ever and i think that is something to be truly truly celebrated especially in contrast with how hard ascent has choked to do anything uh meaningful and risky when they have a lead and they want to win or when the the going gets tough so this was a total 180 in mentality from the entire team but i wanted to give stars a particular credit for that so thank you so much for listening um 
We're back to our scheduled programming next week. Uh, I just hope we do more of these because it was a ton of fun. So anyways, take care of yourself. Bye.